Well, hello out there and welcome to another episode of the Hyperion Adventures podcast. I'm Tom. As always, I'm here with my wonderful, lovely, Star Wars loving <laughs> wife, Michelle. Woo-hoo. Hi, everybody. So good to have you with us. We're recording this episode on Sunday, February 24th, 2019. It is Oscar night, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. We're excited to see what comes from the Oscars today, including uh, several Disney movies up for Oscars. Hopefully they land a few of them. I'm not right. so sure, but it's nice that they've been nominated either Abs- way. Absolutely. And some groundbreaking nominations yes. as well. So, so very we're, exciting. We're always excited. We like the Oscars and we're excited to watch this evening. And probably when you're listening to this, the Oscars are already done. So you'll probably already know what the outcome is, but we're excited to watch it this evening. Yes. Uh, we appreciate that you found us today. In the future, you can find us on 1057max.com and the Max Plus tab, as well as on the Max FM app. And you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you have the ch- chance, please give us a rating or a review. We got some great reviews this week. Three new reviews. It was really exciting news. Uh, yes. the, for those people that gave us those reviews, thank you so much. It was really nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. We really love that you took the time to do that. And we really also enjoy getting feedback so that we can make this one an interactive um, podcast, but also one that, you know, you're getting something out of it. Right. So. We've also had done some great stuff on social media in the last few weeks. We've connecting with some other Disney podcasts out there and some other right. podcasts in general. And we've got some things coming in the future where we're going to be uh, possibly showing up on some of their podcasts. They may be showing up on ours. But I want to give a shout out to a part of our world podcast. Yay. A shout out to Theme Park Thursdays with uh, at Dillo's Diz, uh, Monday Morning Monorail podcast, and also to uh, the Disney DNA podcast. All of Connect. Oh, and Disney 101, too. I can't forget them. All great podcasts that have reached out to us this week, and you should check them out when you get a chance. Absolutely. And they all offer, you know, it's it's great because we all have the love for Disney and want to share that with everybody. And we do it in a different way. And I think everything is pretty complimentary. So if you're not listening to them yet, we encourage you to do that because we love them. Yeah. And there's many more we'll get to as we go along, but those were the ones we wanted to get to this week uh, because they've been really wonderful to us over the last couple of weeks. But we got to get to our main topics of the day because we have a ton of stuff today, including uh, your chance to raise your own pet from a galaxy far, far away. A new sport straight from out of the stars and a reimagining at Epcot. But uh, I'm actually going to start with it, which is funny because uh, we're going to start with our B main topic today. Normally we go in order, A topic, B topic, but we have a guest coming up. So I want to get to our B topic before we get to our A topic. And our B topic is that we went and saw Disney's Aladdin, the musical this week out at the San Diego Civic Theater. Right, right. And uh, that was a great performance, a great play. Um it really was interesting to see how Disney approached some of the things that could be barriers if you're taking that storyline from, you know, the uh, animated show and putting it on stage with real people. But I thought they did a great mm-hmm. job with that. You know, the, the sets were wonderful. There was a lot of, you know, very uh, vivid views of everything. Costuming was fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so I thought they did a great show. They really stuck a lot with the original storyline. So there wasn't necessarily anything mm-hmm. um, that spoiled that or out of the ordinary mm-hmm. with that. So I thought they did great. Uh, it was really a great show. I totally enjoyed it. I think it's great for all ages. So mm-hmm. you can bring the kids and I think the kids would really get a kick out of it. But just as like uh, the movie, the original movie with Robin Williams as the genie, uh, the genie in this also has jokes that will strike the adults right between the eyes that oh, won't, yeah. the kids won't get. Um, but it's, it's great fun. Hey, look, if it's Aladdin, 
it's all about the genie. Right. And the genie on this show was amazing. He totally. was so good. Yes. His name was, I oh, believe, yes. Major Attaway, which I looked at. I'm like, is that a stage name? Because <laughs> that is the funniest name. But uh, he was great. Really good in the right. role. Hilarious. Funny guy. Everything you'd want the genie to be. Absolutely. Very engaging. At times, uh, actually kind of broke the fourth wall with the audience. And he was just hilarious. Pulled that part off immensely well. And like you said, it made the show. I mean, the other things in the show were, were definitely entertaining. And like like you said, great costuming. Sets were wonderful. Music with the orchestra was fabulous as well. But he really did steal the show. Yeah, uh, it definitely stole the show. As a matter of fact, if there's one uh, real strike I have against this show is it needed more genie. Because every time he was on the stage, he was magnificent. Uh, friend like me blew the house oh, down. Yes. I mean, it, when he got done with that, the applause must have gone on for two, three oh, minutes. yes, definitely. Um, cheering. Uh, it was just so good. Uh, I loved Aladdin, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the person who played Aladdin. I thought he did a great job. Jasmine, yeah. she looked the part and right. she sang really well, but there was a little thing with her voice that I, I think I found it distracting because it sounded to me, and I don't know, this may be dating me a little bit, but uh, if you know from Saturday Night Live, uh, Sherry O'Terry, who played mm-hmm. kind of the uh, the cheerleader character on, uh, right. against Will Ferrell yeah. there, mm-hmm. her voice when she was talking kind of sounded like, she, all I could picture is Sherry O'Terry out there right. as the That's cheerleader true. at the time. So it was just kind of put me out of the story, but it wasn't bad. It was fine. Uh, Jafar and Iago were great. The interesting thing about Iago is that uh, he wasn't really a bird. Right. He was uh, kind of this uh, little henchman guy, you know, right. a little chubby guy, but, uh, you know, kind of smaller. But he was hilarious. He was uh, costumed really well in kind of the same colors that Iago right. had. And they even made a joke about... Right, uh, a little nod. Uh, yeah, a little nod, a little joke. I'm not going to give it away in case you see the show. But a little nod to Iago the bird was in it, and it was fun. And they also replaced, because they, they couldn't obviously get a monkey on stage. Right. Um, and even though they've done this in the... Uh, what well, we've seen uh, Aladdin at the... When it was at the Hyperion Theater at mm-hmm. Disney California Adventure Park and on, the, I believe it's the Disney Fantasy when we saw it. They did have the carpet there, and the carpet right. was actually one of the better parts of the show. Right. They did have a magic carpet, but it wasn't actually interacting in there. But instead, they replaced him with uh, these three friends that Aladdin had. Right, right. Um, that were kind of... Uh, his cronies, kind of his, you know, his gang in Agrabah there, you know, that would uh, kind of pull off uh, heists and right. stuff. but. Uh, they were hilarious. They were so yes, good. They, were they great. filled the void very well. It's yes, a different yes. role, but it filled the void very well. Right. That was really the one main difference from the original show or the original movie. But it, it like you said, it captured the characteristics and the personality of the carpet and mm-hmm. the monkeys so that it all kind of came together, but it was with people. So right. like I said, very, they did really great creative job at putting people into situations mm-hmm. that represented what were animals in the original yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, so. I thought it was great. The sets were great, like you said before. The mm-hmm. special effects that they had mm-hmm. were really good as well. Um, highly recommended. If it comes to your town, check it out. If you're a Disney fan, if you're an Aladdin fan, right. I think you'll enjoy the show. And right. uh, and as you mentioned, kids, I think it would, it's a great show for kids right. as well. Agreed. Agreed. Take the whole family. It's mm-hmm. a good time. Yeah. Uh, but enough about Aladdin. Let's get to our main topic of the week, and that is we're going to talk about Star Wars and how it's evolved within the Disney parks. And, you know, we love Star Wars. We're the Disney podcast that desperately wants to be a Star Wars podcast, of course. But, you know, we can't really talk Star Wars unless we bring on our good friend Rob LeBerry. Hey, how you guys doing today? Great. How are you? We're so glad you're here. 
I am wonderful. Always happy to talk Star Wars. Yeah, I know awesome. you are. That's why we wanted to bring you on. So we figured we'd call in the Hyperion Adventure Jedi Council, you know, and get us all going here for right. this. So Plus Much you bring, appreciated. And you bring a lot of great knowledge and, and fun information about it. So we're really thrilled that you're joining us today. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So yeah. we're, we're going to go through this basically in chronological order and talk about how Star Wars came to the Disney parks. Uh, some of the attractions that have been there in the past and have gone away or uh, kind of evolved a little bit. Uh, then we're going to go into what's happening now in Star Wars. And then we're going to look ahead to what exciting is coming up. We all know <laughs> all the excitement that's coming up around Star Wars. So uh, let's get started with how this all began. And it, it really started when Disney kind of had the idea, let, let's talk with George Lucas about getting some things in the park. And it started with him doing... Captain EO and bringing that to Disneyland Park in uh, 1986. And then Disney was developing this other attraction and they kind of wasn't going the way they wanted. So they said, hey, you know what? George, we have this idea. What do you think about doing this? And that's when they came up with the idea for Star Tours. Industrial Light and Magic produced the film, and, you know, the rest is history. Right, right. And, you know, uh, talking a little bit about the, the cementing of that relationship with Lucasfilms, and you mentioned Captain EO, and for those people who have never heard of that, um, it it had Michael Jackson in it, and, you know, obviously at that time he was, you know, a premier person in uh, the entertainment industry. So it did bring a lot of, of you know, attention to uh, the Disney parks. Mm -hmm. Rob, your thoughts on Star Tours, the original Star Tours? Yeah, actually, um, I had just listened to uh, another podcast this week where they were talking oh. about the origin of Star Tours mm. uh, coming coming to the Disney parks, and it was actually very interesting because it's typically attributed to Michael Eisner. And uh, one of the things that had come up in the in the discussion that they were having was that uh, it actually had even started before Michael Eisner. Ron Miller uh, had actually been brought in, had George Lucas brought in to discuss the possibility of bringing Star Wars into the Disney parks, and at the time, it was apparently going to be uh, considered as an indoor roller coaster ride. Oh, really? Huh. Yep. Oh. And really what ended up kind of sidelining that idea was the fact that the way that they had envisioned it with Imagineering was that the folks that are riding, the guests that are riding the roller coaster were going to be given a choice early on that would determine whether they took a light side path or a dark side path mm. on that coaster. And it was going to create a situation where they needed a track switch to mm. basically send the guests down one path or the other on the coaster. Plus it was going to be, I believe they said it was about a five acre building uh, and it was going to take five years to produce. And obviously they wanted something that they could get into the parks a lot quicker. Sure. Um, and that was basically what sidelined the idea of a roller coaster. Of course, 15 years later, <laughs> then we end up with Expedition Everest, where the track switching is <laughs> a reality. But um, Star Tours uh, or its predecessor could have been a very different experience. Yeah, that really wow. sounds like it. And uh, the, what they ended up doing is uh, the original idea that they had for this uh, sort of motion simulator ride was going to be something uh, involved around the, the film The Black Hole is what they were originally going to do. And then they eventually Correct, yep. uh, decided to, once they got in touch with George Lucas, and they're like, no, this might be a better, especially since Black Hole wasn't exactly a monster smash by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, let's get in touch with George Lucas. Let's see if we can get this thing done. And, uh, of course, the rest is history. Star Tours opened in Disneyland on uh, January 9th of 1987. When they first opened, I don't know if you knew this, Disneyland Park um, stayed open for 60 hours. You get a lot of rides of I Star know. Tours in 60 straight hours. Well, you would think, except the lines went <laughs> down Main Street past great moments with uh, Lincoln attraction. So, 
pretty, pretty long time, long line. Yeah. Rob, I know you haven't never been to Disneyland Park to this point, uh, but you got to ride at Walt Disney World, right? Correct. Yeah. We actually, uh, my first trip to Walt Disney World Resort was in 1991 as part of a family vacation. And uh, I got to ride it several times actually on that trip. Uh, and obviously it was iconic. Uh, I love Star Wars. Uh, it was very popular right at that point. So you definitely had to be dedicated to want to want to wait mm-hmm. in the line. Um, but, you know, having DJ or what will soon be DJ Rex, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, piloting the Star Speeder and having, you know, that the iconic voice of Paul Rubens basically playing him mm-hmm. was was always a little tongue in cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was definitely an experience, and at that time, I mean, it was one of the only ways that you could really experience Star Wars. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was amazing to actually have Star Wars kind of lived out in in front of your eyes after just watching it on either a, a, a movie theater screen or your television screen. By at that point, I mean, what was the original story behind it? I can't even remember for sure. I hate to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> so here's how it goes, and uh, it started off where you're 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 boarding this shuttle. This was it Star Speeder two thousand. I can't remember exactly what the number of it yeah, was. Yeah. But, uh, and then you're supposed to be going on a trip to Endor is what you're going to be doing. Then remember, this is just uh, four years at, when it debuted, four years after uh, Return of the Jedi came out. So that's where we were in the franchise at that point. And you, you get on board and you're greeted by Captain Rex, RX-24, uh, who, yes, was played by Paul Rubens. And right. R2 is his co-pilot there, sort that's of. Right. Uh, you, you start off, everything's fine. He's like, oh, this is my first trip. We'll be fine. And the first thing he does, he takes a wrong turn. <laughs> Um, and you end up, somehow you end up banging around in the corridor way and you get out and you, know, you hit hyperspace, but then suddenly you're in the midst of this comet trail, which is always, <laughs> which is an interesting path to take. Uh, you make turns out of that and then you end, you end up and there's a bunch of Imperial Star Destroyers around you. So you're in the midst of this battle and then suddenly there's the Death Star in front of you. Yikes. Um, so you got to get involved in this attack on the Death Star, including you get a trench run. It was just... Funny, exciting, uh, just kind of everything. You end up uh, nearly running into a, a fuel tanker at the end as you're landing on this ship. And, of course, Rex would always finish it out by saying, you know, sorry, I'll do better next time. But he never really did. <laughs> the beauty of it is you really get an appreciation for how efficient the Empire had become in building the Death Star because this was apparently the Death Star 3, right? Right. So, um, you know, they're still building the flaw into the reactor. You've got non-Jedi X-Wing pilots that are able to, you know, shoot those proton torpedoes right down the exhaust port. No right. problem. <laughs> It's good stuff. It was such a it was such an iconic ride, and like I said, you know, at best you had some um, cheap sort of video games to play that were not you know the the films on either the movie screen or on the TV screen. When you actually had this thing that puts you right in the middle of the action, it was amazing. I, I you know, it brought the kid in me back to life when that first debuted. The beauty of it is you can still find those video games in most of the Walt Disney World Resort arcades. Yeah, nice. <laughs> which, is, which is fun. So, Does anybody here know? what the technology was called mm, no i do not a trivia Rob? question oh man that's embarrassing um <laughs> yeah I, I i cannot pick it out of pick it out of the ether all right so it was the advanced technology leisure application simulator or mm. atlas oh really yeah I mean, there's a fun fact <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it Michelle? Fun fact. Thank you very this much, makes Michelle. Everybody's day. Yeah. I love it. I love, I love Michelle's fun fact. 
Uh, of course, that uh, first iteration of the uh, attraction uh, lasted for several years, but they wanted to update it. They wanted to change some things, so they ended up uh, closing it down first at Disneyland in August of uh, 2010, then at uh, Disney MGM Studios. Uh, which was actually, then it was Disney Hollywood Studios by that point. That was uh, September of 2010, followed by Tokyo Disneyland 2012. And Disneyland Paris didn't close it down till March of 2016. I know, we were out there when it was closed. <laughs> right, that was crazy. <laughs> it it was just funny. closed, yeah. I know. So, uh, and then we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what that became, but we wanted to talk about a few other, Wait, Michelle, do you have another fun fact before I we leave do. Star Tours? Yes, yes. When they were closing the ride, rather than just, you know, shutting it down or having like R2D2 shut it down, mm-hmm. they had Bobo Fett destroy the ride's power supply uh, using a thermal detonator. That's right. That was cool. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, they closed it with the, what they call the, the last tour to Endor. Uh, it was during Star Wars Celebration 5. Uh, George Lucas went and attended. Right. They had all sorts of things all around it, uh, and it was just a big deal, uh, you know, closing the attraction uh, and uh, moving on to the next phase. Uh, Rob, anything else about Star Tours before I move on to some of the other uh, stuff from the past that was Star Wars related in the parks? All I can say is that if anyone is interested to see what the opening day festivities were like for the original Star Tours, I would highly recommend you go online. It was quite a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely Michael Eisner was struggling uh, with the name of C-3PO. Uh, <laughs> So if you ever want to chuckle, go watch the opening ceremonies. It's uh, it's quite a Star Wars dance show. Yeah, that's now, fun. Now I definitely have to that's, see yeah, it. Yeah, we're going to check that out right after the <laughs> totally. show today for sure. For sure. So a couple other things that uh, used to be in the parks, sort of, or uh, and have... Uh, since passed. Uh, one was Star Wars Weekends out at uh, what was began as the Disney MB- MGM Studios and moved on to when they became the renamed to the Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, that started in 1997. Uh, and there was kind of some weekends in the middle of that they would just, hey, we're just going to focus on Star Wars. And they'd have all sorts of events and a lot of people uh, visited, a lot of guests, special guests visited. Uh, they had Mark Hamill for one, George Lucas, Carrie Fisher, Billy D. Williams, many of the names from Star Wars at some point right. uh, paid visits. And uh, I think that's why we have, uh, if, the, if you go to the uh, Grauman's Chinese Theater facade there, they oh, have yes. the actual handprints and stuff from many of these people. Those were done during those Star Wars weekends. Yeah, I never did get to experience them. I always did see like all the guest stars that they had, and it definitely looked like a really fun, fun time to to go there. Um, But... I know some people who have gone, and they just couldn't talk enough about how wonderful it was. Yeah, agreed with that. So it closed down in 2015. Uh, they stopped doing the Star Wars weekends. We always hope that they'll have some come back someday, but uh, it doesn't look like it at this point, but you never know. Uh, another thing that uh, went by the wayside about the same time uh, was the Jedi Training Academy, uh, which opened actually in Disneyland in July of 2006, and then uh, at Disney MGM Studios in October of uh, 2007, and it was just a great way to begin with to get your kids. I mean, every kid you know was at home practicing with their lightsaber, and this was kind of a way to get them indoctrinated, you know, in a fun way, and kind of join the Jedi Order and get trained. And it was just, it was always fun. We always would love to go and just sit and watch the kids because they right. they just had such a fun time, and you just never knew what to expect when the kids came out there. Because when you get kids out, you know, it, it, right, it can go a little right. sideways sometimes. So it was just a lot of fun. And you never knew like what the people who were, you know, the the cast members kind of directing this. They were just so skillful at handling those kids and and making the show be very entertaining for 
both the kids who were in it and their families watching. Especially considering that they had the telescoping lightsabers at that point, which was always a technical <laughs> yeah, that's right. nightmare, I felt like, for the cast members that were running that particular show. Um, you would, yeah, you're dealing with relatively young kids and right. the whole concept of snapping the blade out um, with enough force to hold it. Would, you know, you'd always see the kid that would go to fight Darth Vader or Darth Maul and their lightsaber would collapse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that alone was almost worth some additional comedic right, uh, right. <laughs> entertainment. Well, I think it was it was also fun because they'd always say, okay, now make sure you have enough space around you. And then, you know, they, they tell you to ignite the lightsaber so you don't have to flick it. And, you know, the, the thing come out, you know, and telescope out. Uh, so fun. Yeah, it was a good time. We always enjoyed it. Uh, but eventually it had to go and change its path. And that's because, uh, mostly because Disney ended up buying Star Wars itself. That's right. And so um, once Disney did have the rights to Lucas films and, and the, um, you know, that genre, they really wanted to make sure that they had a lot of respect for it. And they wanted to make sure that um, they were very conscientious. And, it, and they actually found themselves to be kind of like self-limiting. So they realized they needed to keep the characters within their own timelines. So that was one of the things that was, you know, different before is they could have Darth Vader and Darth Maul out on the same stage. But again, once Disney acquired Lucasfilm, they're like, no, we can't do that. We have to, you know, stay true to what these characters are and make sure that they don't mingle outside of their timeline. So when you're in the parks, you can keep an eye out that you should never see uh, characters in the of the Star Wars um, universe being it, with anybody other than who they would be with. They decided they wanted to basically try and keep canon right. uh, what was telling the story throughout the park. Uh, really interesting uh, way of doing it. So uh, moving on to the present, we'll just go ahead and this, uh, this closed in, uh, like I said, 2015, right before The Force Awakens came out. Of course, the first uh, Disney-owned uh, Star Wars film. Uh, and they changed it over to what they called the Jedi Training Trials of the Temple. And that opened in December of 2015 at Disney's Hollywood Studios uh, and also in Disneyland park uh and you know interesting what they did with that instead of uh, it being these characters were actually there uh they told the story going into it and the characters were actually the, from the temple uh kind of visions apparitions essentially so they could have these characters all different appear from different genres and it didn't taint the the canon didn't taint the storyline essentially I have to backtrack you a little bit since you're going into the present already. Okay. There's something that you missed. What did I miss? Season of the Force. Oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. That was awesome. Well, I still hope that they're going to bring the Season <laughs> of the Force back. I don't consider it gone completely yet. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But that's actually how Launch Bay was initially introduced at Disneyland, mm -hmm. was through the Season of the Force event. And, you know, if you recall, the, the Galactic Grill has really started embracing their specialty foods like Darth Tamale and <laughs> First Order Specialty Burger and... Pastry menace. I believe with Darth Tamale, you can't order more than two, correct? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, there could be only two. So once, anyway, once I didn't mean one, to digress on yeah. that, but no, I that's, just yeah. wanted to No, the season know, of the Force was actually a lot of fun. It was really when Disneyland started really, you know, putting a lot of focus on Star Wars and getting everything geared up for the mm -hmm. future. Mm-hmm. 
So moving back, thank you, Michelle. I did love the season of the force, and I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't want to. I didn't put it in my notes, but we didn't want to pass that by for sure. Um, Trials of the Temple, uh, Rob. Any thoughts on Trials of the Temple? Um, obviously, the the new version of the Jedi Training Academy, the Trials of the Temple. Um, I have definitely appreciated the fact that, as you mentioned, that that it is kind of like um, a manifestation of the dark side of the Force, that the the Padawans are expected to face their fear and, and do battle with it. Um, it definitely seems to make for a more uh, cohesive storyline. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, it's just as entertaining as the original show. Um, and the kids definitely tend to love it. I like the fact that they have brought in uh, both the Seventh Sister from the Star Wars Rebels right. series right. as well as uh, Kylo Ren once uh, The Force Awakens had come out. Um, and actually when we were there back in January, uh, they did have Darth Vader and Darth Maul for one of the sessions. So it just seems to be something that has really settled in. It was located right there next to the Star Tours building. So you mm-hmm. know, as you're standing in line for Star Tours, you can still catch part of the show. Um, and it, it's really nice to have that section of the park uh, kind of have a cohesive theme um, mm-hmm. and obviously with with what's coming to the parks it's going to be interested to see how that expands right exactly uh, and if you haven't been to Disney's Hollywood Studios out at the Walt Disney World Resort the Star Tours if you've only been to Disneyland uh, the Star Tours area out there is much more imaginative and immersive right. in that regard. It's got a, a big AT-AT walker right out there out front, you know, <laughs> which is always, it always excites me yes. when we get there. Uh, and, you know, it just looks like a little bit of a, uh, kind of looks similar to like the forest moon and door a little bit, kind of that uh, tree filled kind of foresty area. Uh, but then the uh, the temple is right there next to it. Another thing that they did with uh, Trials of the Temple, which I liked, is that it, you know when we went to the original Jedi Training Academy, the kids would just line up at front, and then the Jedi would come out, the Master Jedi, and he would just, you, and you, and you, and you. <laughs> and there would be so many kids that would not get picked, you know, and they would just like kind of slump away, like, oh, not my time. i got to come back again at 1130 and try again, you know. Right. Um, but there you're signing up now, at least you're, at least now you're, um, with the trials of the temple, you were signing up ahead of time. And so you you can kind of have a reservation. So, you know, your time is going to be there and you'll be ready to go. And so, uh, yes, you could be disappointed. It's still the same if there's no slots available for you, but at least it's not waiting to find out what, and, you know, costing yourself time out at the rest of the parks. Right. And, and that sign up gives you an opportunity to, you know, realize what it was like in attack of the clones when they were having the battle in the (laughs) arena. on Geonosis. Um, It's it's fairly similar to that. Very good point. (laughs) Rob, has your son uh, taken part in any of these at all? Uh, No, actually, we had planned on doing it uh, one day, and uh, he basically just was not ready to get up early enough to go (laughs) and get signed up. I get you. He always wants to bring his own lightsaber, and I keep (laughs) telling him that's not going to (laughs) happen. Like bringing your own pool cue, you know, or your own bowling ball, you know. He's a professional. (laughs) That's right. You got to love that. That's awesome. So we're in the present now. So uh, also, you know, we talked about uh, Star Tours closing. Well, in 2011, in May of 2011, at least at Disney's Hollywood Studios, June uh, for Disneyland Park, uh, Star Tours, the adventure continues uh, opened up and uh, it was a great leap forward in this ride. The, the original ride was fantastic, uh, but it took another step when, when this uh, iteration of it opened up. I think you'd agree, Michelle. Oh, absolutely. To have so many different possibilities to, to view, um, that just made it really exciting. And, you know, like 
like how we always do it, trying to see if we can guess ahead of time mm-hmm. and things like that. And just the technology and the visuals and all the added fun to it was awesome. Yeah. Rob, uh, your first impressions when you finally got to ride Star Tours, the adventure continues. Well, obviously it was incredible just because, you know, uh, with the original Star Tours, it was amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. But after you'd gone on it several times, you know, you, there was no variety to it. You pretty much knew exactly what was coming. And to be able to have the chance for that storyline to change and randomize every time you ride it um, with the Adventures Continue, it, you know, it makes it a ride where you can revisit time and time again and, you, you know, have a very low chance of getting the same combination of, of destinations. You'd think that, but I have a yeah, story to talk about that. in a little bit here. That <laughs> <laughs> you'd think it would change, but n- not always. But I do love it. I mean, the, the addition of the 3D, and yes, right. it's it's different virtually every time you go on there. And they can even, as we've seen in recent years, they've added new lands to deal with the new films that right. are coming out and to preview a little bit of Batu for uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Uh, it's been really fun to see them uh, be able to move it forward as it goes along. Yeah, and I mean randomizing the ride definitely was a smart play for them just because it did give them the opportunity to uh, filter in these new worlds uh, that were being created for the sequels and uh, you know basically have that be another method of, of uh, promoting yeah, their films essentially. Right. right. Uh, no, I love it. I love it every time we get into a new land you know i think it's fantastic has either of you had any fun experiences on it i've had rob how about you uh, well, I, do, I don't know if it was a fun experience. I swear there was uh, about four or five visits in a row where it felt like every time we rode it, we got Kashyyyk and uh, <laughs> the, the Gungan yeah, city right. on Naboo. Um, so this last trip, we, we got Hoth randomized in there, which I had not seen for ages, and it was awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, I, my funny story, and I, was, I sort of hinted at it earlier, was there was one time when it was just myself and my son Nick uh, going with us, and we were having this kind of a father-son weekend out at uh, Disneyland Park. And, uh, you know, we decided we got a fast pass for Star uh, Star Tours. Uh, and we went on and we're like, okay, that's great. You know, and then we we got uh, Tatooine. So it was the pod race scene right. and Geonosis. So, you know, the sonic blast right, and everything. Right. Yes. Okay. Uh, we got another fast pass. We did some other things. Got another fast pass. Went on it. Again, it was Tatooine <laughs> and it was Geonosis. We're like, how did that happen? How did we get randomized twice in a row with the same one? So we decided, well, let's get another fast pass. Again, it was only like, it, it, it was only like, we, there were about two hours in between. So we go do something else, come back. Again, it was Tatooine and Geonosis. <laughs> Five straight times we That's got incredible. Tatooine and Geonosis. It was the craziest thing. We were just cracking up every time. So we, every time we got off, we would have to get another fast pass. We're like, we're going to keep riding this thing <laughs> until we actually end up in a different land. And there were some slight variations we did have because if you, if you know Star Tours The Adventure Continues, there are actually four randomized events within it. The first is what villain you run into at the beginning. Right. The second is what uh, system, what world you end up on. The third is what uh, hero gives you the secret mission that you're going on or whatever. And then you end up with the final world is the fourth part of it. And there was some randomness within the the first part of the villain and the third part of the, you know, who was giving you the secret mission. But the lands were the same, which was hilarious. And eventually we finally, I think it was the sixth time, we finally got something different. And we're like, okay, we're done. We're walking (laughs) away now. 
<laughs> Funny story. A streak, yes. It's nice to know it wasn't just us. I, I was absolutely sure it was tied to our magic band, and they were <laughs> right? reading, you know, reading our magic band and saying, oh, you're never going to get another world. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's in a booth there watching. <laughs> Oh, how funny. uh, We have also benefited, and I don't know, if Rob, if you've had this uh, luck yet, is that, of course, at every uh, one of these, there is somebody picked out of the group that is the, spoiler alert, the Rebel Rebel Spy. spy. (laughs) Um, And Michelle and I have both been chosen as the Rebel Spy at some point. That's right. Uh we have never been selected. And actually, I think the last time we wrote it, uh, it was an empty seat that was selected. So they were in deep, deep cover. Oh, yes. how funny. <laughs> Had a cloaking system working there for them. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the tips I've used in the past and that I always associate with Star Tours, um, if you're not the tallest person, sitting in that last row can add a little bit more fun because if your feet don't touch the ground and you kind of dangle, you get a little bit more of effect from the whole uh, attraction. So. I, I never have to deal with that. And I, Rob, I know you never have to get that get that joy, unfortunately. Absolutely but not. Michelle, Michelle sure loves it. <laughs> but there are a lot of great things in the queue, right. we've got to admit. There is a lot of fun. Um, even on a day where you might not have a fast pass and you have to be in that line for a while, there is a lot of entertainment. Um, and I think that's where they've kind of, Unlike, well, and, and I'm talking right now Disneyland, too, where they have a lot of that stuff inside because they mm-hmm. don't have as much room outside. But they do have some funny, funny things. And I don't know if you've ever heard the um, the announcement for Egrog Sakul and Mott Warham, that page. Have you ever yeah. heard? <laughs> of course. <laughs> So you know what I'm talking about, Rob? I, I do. The backward spelling of George Lucas mm. and uh, Tom Morrow. Right. Very good. Yeah, absolutely. Nicely right. done. Nicely done. I think people know who George Lucas is, but for people who don't know about Tom Morrow, that was a character that Disney's used in various attractions, like in Innovations and Flight to the Moon. So very good. Two points there, Rob, for knowing that one. <laughs> I also like little simple nuanced things like they'll have the flight schedule up there and you'll see, you know, there are all these different worlds, all these different systems. And it's like a time here, time here. This one's delayed. It looks like, you know, you're regular at your airport, your listing of flight times or whatever. And like if you see all drawn, a lot of times it's like canceled. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you aware that the security droids in the uh, in the queue for Star Tours were actually a couple of the uh, singing birds? From the America Sings. Yes, we we found that out recently, and that's uh, yep. that is a cool fact that I never realized until uh, we were told that uh, uh, one time. That was it's amazing. Now you, I can't, I can never look at them the same way. I know. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, another thing that you can notice in the queue is that the land speeder has a license plate THX eleven thirty eight, and I would be so convinced, Rob, that you would know what that stood for. Yeah, it sounds like something George Lucas might have done. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It was a, yeah, actually his uh, original student film and then his actual uh, first uh, movie that he made actually after after having graduated. Um, and that was kind of the predecessor to his idea for Star Wars. Yeah, right. and, and just like uh, Pixar and Disney Animation likes to drop the A113 right. into exactly. a lot of things, uh, he likes to drop that uh, into many of his films somewhere all around, around it, right. which is always fun. Yep. And there, there's another number that comes up, and it's actually, even though you might be in different destinations, the flight number is always the same, and it's 1401. 
Hmm. So next like, trivia like question, anybody know what 1401 is? This one's a little harder. Hmm, I do not know. Hmm. Rob? Uh, no, not off the top of my head. All right. Well, it's the uh, address for where Disney Imagineering is. So it's 1401 oh. Flower Street, Glendale. That makes sense. You're That's right? interesting. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. There's another Michelle fun fact. <laughs> <laughs> Love Michelle fun It's got facts. numbers. She knows it. That's right. <laughs> Love the numbers. Love the numbers. But we were talking also about the, um, the droid scanning things, and mm-hmm. I know that we've always paid attention to that, but there's one that I saw online that I've never seen, but it has Mickey ears, the like the traditional ones, and it has Luke's name on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so something cool. to watch for. <laughs> I've seen other items in there. Uh, you know, you can see the head of C-3PO. Right. Um, so there's definitely some fun Disney references you can you can catch it. Right. There's, right. there's one with Chip and Dale, and he's mentioning it like, oh, those look familiar, you know, but they look kind of different. You know, something about the noses, you know, or something like that. He said something along those lines. It's you know. Yeah, their security droids are clearly not TSA. <laughs> Oh, uh, funny, funny. Always but, a good time. Always, I, I love interactive cues, and that, that's, a, that's a fun cue to be in every time, right. for sure. Right. So some other things that are either currently open or uh, have been open in the recent time is uh, Star Wars Hyperspace Mountain. Uh, that was opened at Disneyland several times. It's uh, still currently open at Hong Kong Disneyland and Disneyland Paris. Uh, Disneyland's not open right now. They've kind of done it kind of as a seasonal overlay at different right. times, including, uh, as Ma- Michelle mentioned, Season of the Force. Uh, but it was it's a really fun version of, uh, of Space Mountain with, uh, you know, in, instead of just the usual run, they have a little bit of Star Wars music, and you can hear some you know, announcements from Red Leader and stuff. And, uh, you know, they have uh, projections of TIE fighters and X-Wings and everything. So you're, as you're going through Space Mountain, you're basically going into uh, this battle in the Star Wars world. It's just a, it, it's a fun version of Space Mountain. Right. Which we've enjoyed. Uh, Rob, I don't think, I'm guessing you haven't had the chance to enjoy that since you haven't been to Disneyland Park yet. No, I'm intensely jealous of the fact that uh, <laughs> that's only offered at Disneyland. Um, we're going to be able to start getting to experience some of the overlays they've got for Halloween when we're out there this this fall. But uh, definitely I'm looking forward to coming back the next time that's available and experiencing it firsthand. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fun. It is, yeah, it is. It's, it's really, of the overlays they have, that's pretty an exciting one. Yeah, we're not big into Space Mountain anymore right. just because we're just not as much into the roller coasters anymore as we once were. I mean, every once in a while we go on them. But man, when Hyperspace Mountain comes out, it's like, okay, we're going on Space Mountain again. <laughs> No, that's cool. There's just something about that music, that, yeah. that iconic music that just gets you pumped up. Absolutely. There's no question about that. John Williams, thank you very much. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, also still open, Star Wars Launch Bay opened in uh, 2015 at both Disneyland and Disney's Hollywood Studios. Opened in 2016 at Shanghai Disneyland Park, basically when that park opened. You know, it's it's not a lot to that, but it has a lot of memorabilia, a lot of little fun scenes. Of course, I shopped to buy a lot of Star Wars gear and uh, and stuff, even some artwork and everything, but it's kind of a fun day, especially when you're at the parks, if you're hot, uh, you're a little worn out, you know, to get out of the heat for a little bit and just walk around and look at a little, a little few Star Wars things. Right. And they have, you know, there's um, people there that'll give like trading cards to kids. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, uh, if you have the Chase credit card, it's also another photo op location mm-hmm. there with characters. And they also have the, of course, the photo ops with either you, you choose dark side or light side. Right. And usually it's like Chewbacca or Darth Vader. Sometimes it's Kylo Ren. Uh, but 
a lot of fun. Huh? What about your experience with the launch bay, Rob? Uh, we always visit the launch bay. Um, it's definitely one of our favorite places to go within the park. Um, they always are changing up mm-hmm. the replica, you know, items that they've got on display based on whatever the most recent movie is. Um, the meet and greets for Chewbacca and Kylo Ren are the ones that we've done. Um, we haven't had the, the fortune to be able to be there when BB-8 was um, meeting and greeting, but the Kylo Ren, I mean, they keep you kind of around the corner from where the photo op is and, uh, he can be very imposing, <laughs> uh, if you, especially if your back's turned and you and you turn around and all of a sudden there's Kylo Ren. So yes. um, there are some great experiences to be had in there. Um, I remember back in 2016 when we were down there for our wedding, um, my son got a chance to trade with the Jawas that were at the time within that whole uh, Star Wars launch mm-hmm. bay area um, and have since left. But there was there was just always something to do in there, um, and the artwork is gorgeous. They definitely have all kinds of, um, you know, souvenirs and replica items that you can take home in the gift shop, ranging from, you know, small, little, inexpensive build-your-own-droid to, um, you know, a full suit of Darth Vader's armor or, you know, Stormtrooper helmets, whatever the case may be. So um, it's just, it's always fun to go in there and look and see what they've got. Yeah. So you mentioned something about trading with the Jawas, and I've heard that, never experienced. Can you tell me what that was? Yeah, I mean, it was mostly small children that were trading with them, and, um you know, the, the kids would just bring along whatever. It could be a paper clip. It could be, wow. you know, just some little knick-knack. Right. And, uh, you know, they would attempt to trade with the Jawa. And if it, it struck the Jawa's fancy, then they would trade something with the child and, you know, take what they were offering in exchange. A lot of times it could just be something that someone had already traded to the Jawa earlier in the day. Um, but, you know, it was just, it was a fun little experience. You know, they're, they're smaller characters, uh, probably a little less imposing for a lot of the younger kids, um, you know, kind of on the same eye level, but they were just amazing. They were always in character. (laughs) I love that. That's so great. Yeah. Uh, The rumor is that, you know, we may yet see more of that when, when galaxy's edge opens. Yeah. There's supposed to be, you know, there's rumor that expansion of barterdom, uh, there, even some of the shops, some bartering. We don't know if that's going to be for merchandise or other accoutrement, but it's going to be interesting. Exciting. That's cool though. That, yeah. that is cool that they do things like that. I just think it's, you know, just something simple. It's cost neutral to the company mm-hmm. and can really just add to an experience, whether it's for the kids or their parents watching that going on. That's just cool. I'd heard that. I'd heard something about trading, but I really didn't know the details of it. So cool. Thank you for I, sharing I'm, that. I would love to get a picture of you surrounded by Jawas in the back <laughs> row of Star Tours. I think that would be <laughs> all your feet swimming in worth it. That's that right. Would awesome. That would be hysterical. That would be the best. I agree. I will pay anybody to set that up. I will pay money for anybody to set that photo off. Up. Of course, the rebel spy in amongst the Jawas there. Right. Hilarious. Well, the sad thing is, too, that they're still taller than me. oh we have fun uh yeah so we always get the launch bay too we love it Uh, it's just like it's like a little uh star wars museum and it's just it's a good time and we always hit it up whenever we get the chance and like i said it's a nice place to just beat the heat for a little bit a lot of times when you're out there or get out of the rain sometimes it's you know right in the middle of one of the downpours out there you know get out of the rain for a little bit and go check it out so always a lot of fun 
Uh, other things that are still going on, Star Wars, the Galactic Spectacular at the Disney's Hollywood Studios, which is uh, one of my favorite shows out there. Uh, the projections that they put all over the Grauman's Chinese Theater facade and some right. of the uh, buildings in adjoined to it uh, with uh, lasers and fireworks. It's just a, a really, really fun show. Yeah, it, it, it truly is. Have you seen it, Rob? Yeah, I've seen it on uh, multiple occasions. Um, it was really kind of the predecessor to all the other projection mapping shows mm-hmm. that they brought to right. Walt Disney World. Um, and it's am- amazingly successful. Uh, obviously, any time that you're in a large group of people like that and you've got that iconic music playing um, and you're getting to watch all the favorite scenes from the movies right. that you know and love um, and the fireworks and the lasers just accentuate all of it. So it's it's a great time. And, yeah. and Disney just knows how to put these things together to give you all the feels, right. you know, it ebbs and flows you know you go from light side to dark side and back and you know it's it's just really well done yeah i always get chills when i see it so right absolutely it it is so well done it is so impressive to watch and um if somebody out there hasn't seen it it's it's definitely a must do Mm -hmm. yeah we're actually looking at the uh at the galactic fireworks dessert party Mm -hmm. um From what I understand, the viewing area for it, uh, they've kind of moved front and center, which for that particular show with all the projections and everything Mm -hmm. probably isn't the optimal uh, spot for it. But uh, they tend to have a a reputation as having some of the better uh, desserts and drinks of all the dessert parties. And um, they tend to have some characters mingling. And obviously you've got people who love Star Wars as part of that dessert party. So it's it's a great environment, it looks like. And uh, we're really looking forward to trying that out someday. Yeah, we experienced it very early on in its uh, when it first came out. They started doing it, and uh, it was a good time. We enjoyed it, had fun, and uh, we did have a pretty good spot uh, for it. I think we found better spots when we haven't necessarily done it. Uh, But it was it's always nice to have a reserved spot, and yes, the you know nice snacks and drinks and everything is good. Yeah, like you said, Rob, the desserts are better than what you would have at most of the other. dessert party events that they have and the fact that they actually do have alcohol is a nice plus too <laughs> for those so. of you who like a, like a little adult beverage every once in that's a while that's right that's right given the you price know. of a dessert party at Walt Disney World it, it gives you a chance to at least get some of your money back that's, that's right that's... some of it no. now when you guys did it did they have the savory food options as well or was no, it just no. Uh, like I said it had just started uh, they had just okay. started doing it and then we actually did it as part of the Star Wars guided tour which we're going to talk about right. here in a second right. Right. Uh, sure. which at that point was actually included in the, it's not now, uh, but at that point it was included in the Star Wars Guided Tour. Right. Um, it was interesting. So. But it was still good. I mean, you know, like just being in a room and having all these characters around you, you felt like you were at a party, you know, right. it had a very party feel to it. And even though whether one might think the viewing area is optimal or not, the fact that you don't have to go stand and hold your spot you know, for like a half an hour to an hour before and just be able to enjoy the party and then walk out there when it's about time for the show to begin is a really nice benefit too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it just seems to me like the trend that we're starting to see at Walt Disney World where they're starting to add some savory options to those d- right. dessert parties is a really good way to go. Um, you know, you can only eat so many desserts. Right, exactly. Uh, but to have that option for a savory uh, selection is, is really nice. Yeah. 
So uh, other things that are offered out there uh, right now, Disney Hollywood Studios still has The Path of the Jedi, which is kind of a, a theater film uh, that's kind of spliced together various different moments from uh, the Star Wars universe, from the Star Wars filmdom. Uh, and it's really well done. I always, again, you were talking earlier, Rob, about getting chills every time you watch the Galactic Spectacular. Um, I get chills every time I watch Path of the Jedi. For sure. Yeah. Now, again, Disney just knows what they're doing when they're right. editing these things together. And they, they, they did a uh, Lucasfilm, Disney, uh, they did a great job with that. Unfortunately, it's closed right now at Disneyland. Uh, they're kind of using that theater to uh, do some of their previews uh, currently, especially with, uh, we were, they used to always show them in where it was tough to be a bug a right. lot of times. And with that theater closed as they're doing, uh, building their Marvel-themed area, they need another place to uh, screen some of these. And so they opened that up as one of the places they right, screen these right. things. And that makes sense, and, mm-hmm. and that's a good technique. I mean, there's been several movies that we've screened at the park that we really initially didn't have an interest in, and then we got hooked in. Right. Always. <laughs> so, yes. I still remember uh, when this first debuted, when the Path of the Jedi debuted at Disneyland, going into it, and that's mm-hmm. they would do a lot of the scenes from the former movies, and then it was just uh, right after... Uh, the Force Awakens comes out. And I still remember to this day, the first time I ever saw the first teaser trailer, The Force Awakens. And when Han walks in right. to the Millennium Falcon <laughs> and says, Chewie, we're home. It drive me nuts every time. I would, I almost screamed. I would cry. I would everything. And they had that teaser trailer within the Path of the Jedi. And so it was just, I still to this day, they'll tell you that was the best trailer I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know what you feel about it, Rob. Oh, yeah. I mean seeing them in that iconic environment and uh you know obviously it had been an awful long time since we'd seen any of the original trilogy characters mm-hmm. uh, on the big screen in a star wars role so uh, that alone would have been enough but you know chewbacca and han solo walking out of the millennium falcon um, and reclaiming it as theirs was awesome yeah right, right. Uh, such a great trailer and uh, i was glad when they first in- introduced it into that they've since of course uh, updated that show but uh it, it was really cool at that time when they had that on there uh, um, other, th- I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. yeah, I was just going to say the Path of the Jedi was was a good also training film for you know people yeah. or kids who hadn't been as uh, knowledgeable maybe or had as much uh, experience with you know the original trilogy. Kind of gave a basis for you know what was coming. Yeah, exactly. So I agree. That was a good. I I agree completely. uh, uh, We've seen a lot with uh, Disney and Star Wars recently as they're trying to find new ways to ingratiate young fans into this this movie fandom. And uh, I think they're doing a great job with it, and that's one of the ways they did that. Other things going on still, March of the Order, Disney's March of the First Order, Disney's Hollywood Studios is always a fun show. It happens uh, various times throughout the day, and it's uh, just always interesting as Captain Phasma leads her first order troops as on a walk uh, through Disney Hollywood studios and stop at one point and they start checking out some of the patrons out there and seeing if they're, you know, up to snuff, whether they have their ID, whatever. And that's always good. And it's just a good, it's just a fun little show in the middle of the day, a little simple parade, but just fun. Yeah. And also the star Wars, uh, galaxy far, far away stage show mm-hmm. there at right, um, right. Hollywood studios, which, um, is basically it's the stages. Um, basically look, it looks like a parade of stages that they'll drag through uh, Hollywood studios, both to set it up and take it down. But, uh, <laughs> you get a stage show with stormtroopers and, uh, Darth Vader and Boba Fett and, uh, you know, all your favorite light side characters as well, Ray and Chewbacca. 
I mean, the feeling you get because they have that music pumped all around and, you know, you're seeing all these, you know, people walking and like you're saying the stage show, it, it, it's just a very immersive kind of experience that you have in the middle of the, the park there that you're not on an attraction, but you're really feeling you know, the whole Star Wars universe is right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a great way to get uh, other guests at the park a little bit riled up. You tell them if there's a Star Wars parade, they get all excited. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just them pulling out the stage. <laughs> so Funny. good. So good. Uh, we can't get away from the present without going out to sea as well. Because, yes, Star Wars isn't only on the land. Is also as of a few years ago at sea. Uh, Disney Cruise Line, of course, has their Star Wars Day uh-huh. at Sea, which we got to again experience uh, the very inaugural right. uh, one, which was uh, really a lot of fun. But uh, it's a, it's a great great time. Rob, I know you really want to do it. I know you're trying to uh, get into the cruising thing and uh, hoping to get this in under your belt at some point. Correct? Yeah. If uh, if we can't make this happen as our second cruise. We're actually going to go on a Halloween on the high seas cruise in uh, 2020, but I'm thinking probably 2021, uh, looking at doing a Star Wars Day at Sea. From everything I've heard, uh, both from you guys as well as other people who've done cruising on Disney Cruise Line, um, it is definitely their best theme day. Right. It's, it is a lot of fun. I mean, because, well, first of all, the Disney Cruise is just a blast anyways. And then you throw this Star Wars focus and they do a lot of things to make it um, much more easier to, you know, whether you're wanting to get pictures with characters and so you get scheduled times, you're not trying to wait in a long line for hours or and then find out you can't do it. So they really have done a great job at, at kind of streamlining those activities. And then it's so exciting to have guest speakers come on and just how they decorate the ship. It's it's amazing what they put into this. Yeah, the, the, whatever the uh, Disney Cruise Lines themed cruises are always a good time. It doesn't matter which one you're going on. Uh, but the Star Wars Day at Sea really spoke to us. And yes, it is mostly about this one day at sea that it's all wrapped around Star Wars. But it, it continues on throughout the cruise. I mean, they, they'll be screening all of the films throughout the days. They have speakers regularly and even more on the day of. They do just like they had at the parks. They do the Jedi Training Academy, mm-hmm. the Trials of the Temple right there in one of the theaters. You meet characters, speakers, films, and you know it all ends with a spectacular out on deck with right. fireworks and a show, and uh, it's really, really fun. And we only were, like I said, we were at the inaugural one, uh, and they did have some bugs in it. Of course, it's the first time they ever did it, but we enjoyed it a lot. I'm sure it's even better now. Yeah, and they, you know, um, you were talking about some of the things they have, like even the food is all very Star Wars-themed oh, yeah. food. Total menu and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. so it um, gives you that little bit more variety there, even mm-hmm. if you've been on a Disney cruise before, to, to have some other uh, specialty food. Yeah, and we're hoping that somehow it works out, that if you do end up doing that Star Wars Day at Sea cruise, Rob, we may, if you will have us, join you out there on that. Yeah, we'll need all fun. your guidance, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you won't. <laughs> you know... I've never seen somebody do more homework on anything than Rob does on all yes, his Disney it's trips. Amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So that's it for the present, but let's get to what we really... Oh, wait, Michelle has one more thing. I always, I always move Bef- on past Michelle. Bef- you know, she's got one more we- thing. Yes, hold on, my young Padwan. Yes. <laughs> you have forgotten. Yes, Master. <laughs> you have forgotten one other thing that's currently going on, and I'll give you a clue. J'adore Paris. <laughs> <laughs> 
Of course, I had to know we had to go there. That's right. That's right. Disneyland Paris is currently running Legends of the Force celebration of mm-hmm. Star Wars. So, and that goes right. on. Uh, it started in January, goes through March. Um, they also have a Star Wars a galactic celebration show that they use the um, Tower of Terror as their backdrop mm-hmm. for that. Um, they have at their parks because it's kind of going on in both parks two marches. Really? Yeah, so they do have the uh, infamous March of the First Order with Captain Phasma, but they also have where you can witness a daunting display of imperial power as Darth Vader himself leads a company of stormtroopers on a faultless military march. (laughs) Yeah, right? That's fun. (laughs) But you know what? If I were to have a march, the march leader I would want would be one of those black mouse droids <laughs> yeah. leading the stormtroopers and like if one of them got out of step it could like nudge their foot or something like that you until know? he runs into Chewbacca he roars and he scampers <laughs> away yeah, yeah. Um, so you know they, they do have that there and they also have where you can join into the celebration or have a part in it either through Instagram or Twitter where you can do a hashtag my Star Wars moment and they might display that either on their webpage or up on um, on stage or whatever. So it, it does seem like they have a lot of fun things over in the Paris Disneyland for our European travelers. Mm-hmm. So yeah. just didn't want you to forget that. I uh, can't forget leave about it, leave it Disneyland out. Paris for sure. Uh, yeah. Lots of good stuff going on there. And yes, uh, a lot of good Star Wars interaction going on. Right. So. The other thing that they do out there, I mean, because um, they also with the interaction things that we talk about is they have stormtroopers that might be patrolling the streets mm-hmm. and stop people and ask for their papers and right. things like that. So it's a lot of, again, fun, interactive uh, activities that don't necessarily require you to be into an attraction. Right. And that's actually going on at all the, uh, not all the Disney parks, but mm-hmm. Disneyland Park and mm-hmm. uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios is that every once in a while, uh, some of the stormtroopers will be running through and they're always fun and interactive. Right. And it's a good time with them. But okay. enough about the past and present. <laughs> Let's get to what we really want to talk about. I mean, yes, we were reminiscing about all that's been in Star Wars, but we are excited about what's coming Star Wars related to the parks, as probably most of the world is right now. And, of course, the big thing is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and it's coming closer every single day, and we couldn't be more excited about it. Uh, Rob, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, I know you're excited. Yeah, I mean... Obviously, we've got a a Disneyland trip planned for September of this year, so we can enjoy it out there. And then uh, we have another trip planned for Walt Disney World in December, so I can go down and experience it there. Uh, Obviously, this is all homework. It's all business-related. Not because I'm a fan in any way, shape, or form. Uh, A labor of love. So, of course, uh, you know uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. If you heard anything about it, you know there's going to be two main attractions there, Star Wars Smuggler's Run and Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Uh, opening at Disneyland Park in summer of 2019. Uh, we speculate it's going to be in June. That's kind of some of the things we've heard, but we haven't had anything official yet from Disney. Uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios out at Walt Disney World Resort will be in somewhere in the fall. We don't know exactly when that is, although we're pretty sure it's going to be after September 30th because right. that's when they all the special deals they've been running uh and yeah, uh, right yeah, so. right right um so it's going to be exciting um smugglers run uh really excited about it. if you don't know what that is that's where you're going to have your own chance to fly the millennium falcon on a certain mission and you're all going to have your own task and 
involved in it, whether it be pilot, gunner, or uh, I believe it's engineer is the other one. And um, Star Wars is trying to help prepare people and getting them into some of the storylines because there are some new storylines here. So they have uh, Star Wars Pirates Price uh, book that's out that can actually give you some background storyline on this the Smuggler's Run. So that's yeah. pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, Rob, Smuggler's Run, has it always been your dream to fly the Millennium Falcon like it's been mine? Oh, I think that's pretty much everyone's dream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> possibly only, the only thing they could have done that would have made it, uh, you know, a bigger deal than Smuggler's Run would have been if we could uh, pilot an X-Wing. Right, right. That's our current run, but, uh, you know, we've kind of gotten a taste of that from Star Tours. So uh, I really think it's going to be very interesting having it be kind of a, a team-focused mission and have it be... Um, you know, something that could have variable outcomes depending on the selections and choices made by the by the guests that are flying the, the Falcon is going to make it uh, incredibly fun. Right, right. It's definitely something I'm looking forward to. It's one of the things I really like about their concept uh, behind Galaxy's Edge is the, how immersive they're going to make. I mean, we've already seen uh, this immersive immersiveness come into many of their new lands, whether it be Pandora, whether it be Cars Land out at right. the California right. Adventure Park. But this is going to be taking it to a new level when uh, some things that maybe you've done within the attractions themselves Right. might affect how you have interactions with some of the cast members when you're out there. Right. And it seems like from what I've read that the Play Disney Parks app is going to be what helps make this happen. Right. Rob, actually, when we're off here, Rob and I were having a little discussion about that on a couple of things that might be happening uh, as far as the Play Disney app and uh, how they could incorporate that within Star Wars Galaxy's Edge itself. Yeah, we are. I mean, but obviously we have plenty of conversations uh, <laughs> not that are not part of the podcast, um, kind of theory crafting about what this whole experience in Galaxy's Edge is going to be like. And I mean, I think it goes without saying it's going to be unlike anything uh, any anybody at a Disney park has ever experienced, um, even with the immersive lands you talked about before, Cars Land and Toy Story Land that they've right. got at Walt Disney World. Um, you know, this is a franchise that has essentially defined a couple of generations of people, and um, it's going to be incredible to be able to step into that world. Mm-hmm. Yes. So the other attraction, uh, the second attraction that will be out there, will be Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. Uh, there's a lot of talk out there that this attraction, the ride, may be a 20, about a 28-minute right. ride. I think Rob and I speculated that that might not exactly be true. <laughs> Rob, I, I, I know you have your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I from what I've been able to discern from the news that's out there, it looks like the actual ride, the, the Rise of the Resistance ride, where you're in the eight-person uh, trackless ride vehicle on the Star Destroyer is probably going to be about four and a half minutes long. Uh, I know that they had just released some information uh, this past week about a 40-inch height requirement for that mm-hmm. due to apparently a drop element at the end of it. Um, but it, the the previous 23 and a half minutes is mainly going to be the story, um, uh, the queuing, uh, pre, the pre-show essentially. Right. Um, there's supposed to be potentially a shuttle that takes you up to that uh, Star Destroyer. So there's going to be a lot of immersive story that goes before the actual ride itself. It's going to be a lot um, kind of in the way of what they did with Pandora. Right, right. That makes sense. Yeah, kind of like that. That's what I think it's going to be as well, is where you're going to be, you know, essentially it looks like you're going to be kind of taken by the First Order and taken captive and everything, and that's going to be part of the show uh, leading into the actual 
ride part of the attraction itself as what it seems like. But I am all for that because you know you're going to be waiting in line as it is. If you can take 25 minutes of that line, about 23, 25 minutes of that line, and make it interactive and fun and interesting, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah. And air conditioned. Don't forget air yes. conditioned. That's right. That's Especially right. Walt Disney World Resort, yes. <laughs> For sure. But I, I think that's great. I'm sure the, the, the queue itself will be interactive just in general, but it would be nice to have that last little bit of it to be taken over by Michelle. Right, right. It was also interesting to hear the story of when the Imagineers, they actually visited Morocco and Istanbul to get inspiration, and their guides were trying to show them some of their iconic places, and and instead the Imagineers were like taking pictures of doors falling off hinges and rust and things like that. So um, I thought that was a pretty cute behind-the-scenes preparation for that right, right no, that attraction. I, I think it's great. And uh, if you just seeing some of the nuanced areas and some of the stuff we've seen already coming from it and even pictures from out there right. and everything, it just looks like – it looks dated. You know, they, the way they made it look older and dated. Right. Look like it's been around for thousands and thousands of years, you know. Right. I just love the, the little, little details that they're putting into it already, and Disney does such a good job with that. Yeah, they've done that in, uh, especially like the Animal Kingdom. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of areas like that. And some of the other things in terms of, you know, the whole area that they would let laborers know the background story of the area that they were building so that they would feel a part of it and, you know, have more pride in it. Um, But the other funny story that I, I ran across was that, you know, they're really very conscientious of the issues of trees and they do have some real trees there um and they had a sign on one that said the cost to replace this tree is nine thousand dollars please respect all trees and keep this area clean wow (laughs) yeah interesting yeah so uh a lot of fun behind the scenes things to make this really come alive was really great to hear about yeah and i think the great thing about the way disney does these types of lands is that if you're not a a person who's seen every episode of star wars and star wars the clone wars and star wars rebels you can come into this land and you're still going to get enough of a backstory to be able to enjoy these Mm -hmm. attractions right Uh, but for those fans that are familiar with all of those um underpinnings for some of the storylines that they're creating you're going to be able to really enjoy just that much more depth of of story and what they're creating right agreed disney does a great job with uh, doing that building backstory they've been doing a lot of that recently and they're even working it now in the literary world trying to you know give you more ways in i think that you're right uh, that if you haven't seen everything you can go into this land and enjoy it but there's also going to be nods to just about everything star wars related i would imagine somewhere within the the land itself So it, it's it's going to be exciting. We're really excited about it. Um, it's going to be called, of course, Black Spire Outpost at, on the uh, world of Pl- uh, Batu. Uh, Ogus Cantina is going to be there, which is going to be an interesting. It's right. really interesting one to see how tough it's going to be to get into. And, um, but two, it's uh, it's going to be the first place, at least in Disneyland Park, where they're actually going to be serving alcohol, right. which is. Uh, a lot of fun. There was a note this week that it apparently, and this is, shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. I don't know why it would. I don't know why it's really that much noteworthy, but you're only going to be able to drink your alcohol, at least there, within Oga's Cantina. Now, I'm sure they don't want, since that's going to be the only place to begin with, it wouldn't surprise me if they open up some other restaurants with some alcohol once Oga's Cantina opens up. But I just, you know, I wouldn't assume they want people going there just to get a drink and then walking around Disneyland Park with it. 
True. Yeah, all I can attribute that to is just because, um, obviously, the other Star Wars Galaxy's Edge opening uh, late fall of 2019 at Walt Disney World Resort, um, with Walt Disney World having a little bit more relaxed policy about alcohol, and there's been so much... um, confusion already about which park is opening on which date. I actually saw a news release that someone had posted that they were going to do a a dual coast opening of both parks in June of 2019, which is clearly not going to be the case. So (laughs) I I think it's just um, to kind of make sure that that the guests that are coming to the park understand that Disneyland is definitely going to have a a different set of restrictions in terms of what's going to be allowed uh, versus what will likely be allowed at Walt Disney World. Right. So it's going to be interesting. I think the whole thing, uh, I mean, people are speculating on uh, wait times for these attractions, the queuing, what it's going to be like, how busy the parks are going to be, and how Disney's going to handle all this. And I think it's going to be very much a work in progress. Uh, I think they know, they, they think they know, and I'm sure they have these discussions and arguments about how to best handle it right. and what to do and what's going to be the outcome of it. But uh, I I I, I, when it's all said and done, I think you both agree with me that they don't really know, and it's going to be really interesting and a, a learning process as they move along. Yeah, I mean, I I can't imagine this isn't going to be a first-of-its-kind type of um, lesson for them to learn in terms of how they're going to deal with these level of crowds. And again, uh, you know, as you mentioned, we've talked numerous times offline uh, about you know, even what they may end up having to do to restrict uh, crowd levels in in that particular portion of the park and within the parks that give access to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So it's going to be very interesting. Right. And it's really interesting that they chose opening Disneyland first um, because there are so many people who still go to the other part of Disneyland for the tradition of, you know, what that was. And so I think that they are going to have a lot of struggle um, trying to distinguish that and, and help guide people through that, where at least at, at Walt Disney World Resort and you have it in Disney Hollywood Studios, it kind of fits the genre of what's all in there already. This is quite a big departure from what the traditional uh, Disneyland Park has. Yeah, I mean, for for me, uh, this has kind of been what led me to think that they may actually be considering the idea of a ticket add-on uh, mm-hmm, to right. get access to that land. Because, again, as you mentioned, there's there's going to be those guests that don't have any intention of going back into Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. They're just there to experience the park and, and go about it the way they normally would. Right. Um, so to to charge everyone a much higher rate when you've got guests that aren't even going to plan on going into that area of the park um, doesn't seem to be something that's going to go over real well. Right. But again, it's it's just going to be kind of a wait and see to determine the best way for them to both appease their guests based on their wants or, or what they don't want and then um, you know figure out what is going to allow them to control the crowds in the, in the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Exactly. And and similarly, there are going to have some people who only want to go to Galaxy's Edge, has have no interest in They're the other parts. They're not flying Dumbo. They're right. not going through Pinocchio. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's an interesting park to have such dichotomy there. Correct. We're excited about it. And we're excited to hear every little bit of news that comes out with it. And we're excited for uh, June, uh, possibly, or maybe earlier for some soft openings is what we're really hoping for. 
Uh, so we're like making sure that we're and we have an annual pass. Right. We have our D23 <laughs> membership. We have our DVC stuff. Or like anything, whenever one gets us in, we want to get in there early if it's possible. But I'm hoping, hoping, hoping that this will be open early enough. Not like they uh, seem to do when they had to kind of rush uh, Toy Story Land out there. That this they have ready to go early right. enough that they can do some soft openings. Because I think it's really going to need it. I really do. Kind of similar to what they did with Pandora. And the rumor on the street is that Hondo Onaka is actually going to have a freight service that's going to be a front for his smuggling um, <laughs> that's part of uh, Black Spire Outpost. So you may be able to pay, you know, an additional amount and have him smuggle you in. All right. Ah, like Smart. I like that. Good old Hondo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Always rely on him. Yes. Find a sneaky way in. That's great. And I will go on record since you did bring it up in a prior podcast. I would go with Doke Ondar. Doke Ondar? So All I, th- right. I think that's what I settled on was Dokondo. It, it was actually. Yeah. So yeah. I just wanted you to know you have my support on that. <laughs> but it wouldn't yeah. be a podcast if I'm not, you know, getting a name incorrect. So of course. <laughs> so that's funny. Uh, other things coming, of course, is uh, the unnamed Star Wars Hotel to the Walt Disney World Resort. Right. That sounds really expensive, but really f- exciting and fun and immersive and great. And I think we'll find out a lot more about that at the D23 Expo coming up here. Uh, this uh, August, right. August, uh, that would be exciting stuff. And uh, they also announced not that long ago that uh, Disneyland Paris will also be opening its own Star Wars land, uh, probably with some of the same stuff. They, they haven't exactly titled it Galaxy's Edge yet, but right. maybe something similar, a lot of the similar attractions. But, you know, who knows? Maybe because it's opening up a few uh, years later, they may be able to advance things some more, do some different things with it, and it might be interesting as well. Right. And they may have to have the technology to dub things to so it translates well and you know and they may actually be running some i don't know but they might have some in english and some in french mm-hmm. so i think they have a little bit more uh to you know consider in the you know the how they develop that by the way rob i know you've been studying arabesh uh, how's that been going so you'll be ready for when galaxy's edge opens so you can read everything on all the buildings and uh, you know, some letters are easier to pick up than others. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of testing myself as I go through and do rewatch of uh, Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's definitely coming along at pace, and I'm hopeful that by the time uh, these lands open in the parks, I should be able to get in there and at least be able to do a rough deciphering of, of a lot of the kind of Easter eggs they'll hide through the land. Oh, good, because I've been falling behind in my studies, so I may need you as a translator there for me. Yeah, when we it it is tough. There's jobs and bills and all these things. So apparently, <laughs> yeah. What? Orbush pays, pays none of them. <laughs> you need to make posters, right? Like mom send money or something like that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, you know, again, uh, when it comes to discussions about the play disney app i mean i think that would be a perfect opportunity yeah. for disney to have oh, sure. uh, a translator in there for people to play around with that make total what a sense. great idea yeah. and uh rob is bringing up off the air one of the things we were talking about when we were uh, having this discussion uh, something along the lines of uh the uh the phineas and ferb thing at epcot you know oh, with something right. yeah. like some sort of um, app related, game related around the land there that you know kids could play and enjoy and Ooh, you yeah. know, some sort of. I think you were bringing up weren't you bringing up something along uh, that it's partially first order, part, or you can pick to be on the resistance and have some sort of scavenger hunt to try and solve some things, Rob. Yeah, I think we were trying to work that in with the idea of uh, what they should do for specialized strollers for the, the younger <laughs> kids back there. So, yeah, we, by, you, by the end know, of it, we had our own walker uh, right. strollers, you know, that we were going to you know, trek around the park in. But, you know, right, that was something right. out of 
completely out of our minds. But <laughs> wow, that makes me wonder too. When you're saying something like that with the future of uh, Run Disney events mm-hmm. like would you be running through that area oh. and how cool that would be oh, when it doesn't have sure a million hope. people of course i guess there's some thousands I mean, you of run runners. through pandora you I mean why not run right. through uh batu yeah, know, yeah. Spire especially up. especially for the star wars theme races i would think right. they, yeah. they yeah. would work the galaxy's edge into that yeah. my understanding is i mean at least at the hollywood studios uh park it's going to be a situation where there is going to be a alternate entrance to the land, um, which mm-hmm. I think they're planning on leveraging for uh, guests from the hotel coming in. So sure. oh, um, yeah. I, I think there definitely could be the possibility for people to, to kind of have a pass through of that on their, um, their, the course of their run. Oh yeah. That would be so cool. That would be great. I'd love that. Yeah. So, um, so that's the stuff we're looking forward to. We're excited for Galaxy's Edge. We're getting new details uh, every day, and it's coming, and it'll be here before you know it, and it's exciting. Um, I don't know if there, you got, either of you have anything else on what's the future of Star Wars in the parks? Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, I, I think if this is successful, um, I couldn't imagine that they wouldn't uh, you know, think about if there's an opportunity for them to expand on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a hard time believing it's not going to be successful. So, right. Oh yeah, it's going to be like uh, like Bob Iger said. You know, basically the only promotion they have to do with it is it's open. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, it's it's going to be ready to go. It's going to be crazy, um, and it's going to be interesting to see what how it re- how Disney reacts to the crowds, and uh, you know how they make it work for everybody that decides to go to the park, as we've already discussed. So, right. yeah. You know, I'm trying to remember how did. Um, how did it go when they first opened um, Harry Potter's land or whatever it's the Wizarding World? Wizarding of Harry World, Potter. yeah, thank you. Um, in Orlando, like I mean, again, that would have been a different group of people who would have gone to that theme park mm-hmm. that might not have ever had any interest in going to that theme park. And you know, what did they experience? And and I wonder what they learned from it, or what Disney's probably learning I'm sure from they them. Have. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually seen some coverage of that. It was an utter swarm. So, yeah. Oh, really? Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we got to go to a soft opening uh, when they opened it out here at the Universal California. Um, and uh, we got lucky to be able to do that because we were able to get on the attractions without uh, as much of a, a wait time and experience the land when it was less crowded and everything. So, But it also was crazy out here. Right. I don't think it was probably as crazy as it was in Orlando, but it was pretty crazy out here too. And it still is. It's still insane to go. That That, right. that is definitely the highlight from both uh, Universal Parks when you go out there. I mean, everybody right. says, that, you know, that's what I want to do. I want to get out there to the Wizarding World for right. sure. Right. And I think that's going to happen with, with Galaxy's Edge. Um, it's going to be crazy. Crazy, but uh, still excited for it. Yeah. Very excited. So, uh, so that's our look at uh, the Disney, the Star Wars within the Disney parks and properties, past, present, future. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought about. Uh, what's your memories of some of these past attractions? Whether memories of these current attractions, and what you're excited about uh, for some of this stuff that's coming with Galaxy's Edge and the Star Wars Hotel and uh, whatever other iterations they come up with. So please contact us. We'd love to hear from you and uh, talk about it possibly on a future episode. But uh, we usually end up our main. St- topic of the week and we go into the Disney stories of the week and normally we'd be saying goodbye to our guests at this point Rob but you know all I was looking through my list of stories for this week and there were a ton of stuff that had Star Wars in it so I just figured hey let's keep one of our Star Wars uh, pros around and uh, keep you through the Disney stories of the week I hope you're okay with that 
I would be happy to. All right. So let's get right to it. And it's another story about Galaxy's Edge here. And uh, that is that there are some new tidbits that are going to be coming out this week about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. This straight from ThemeParkInsider.com. The Disneyland Resort has invited its cast members to a special event in Tomorrowland on Tuesday, February 26th. Remember, we're recording this on Sunday, February 24th. Included will be a first look at the costumes that the cast cast members will wear inside the new Star Wars land when it opens this summer. So that's exciting that we're probably going to get a peek at what we're finally going to see what some of the cast members are going to be wearing when they're out there. That's very cool. And I know like when Toy Story Land was opening, like you said, they really didn't have an opportunity to do soft openings like they've done in uh, some other parks. But um, what they did allow cast members to do were to post in social media Mm -hmm. their experiences. So if that goes the same way here, it should be pretty exciting to see what comes out in social media. Right. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I think there's going to be a lot of this type of thing going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, with them opening what is going to be a highly immersive land, um, they're going to have to have a very high standard um, that they set for their cast members, both in terms of, you know, the outfits that they wear, making sure that that blends in with the environment that they're creating, as well as making sure that they have people who have the, the level of knowledge to kind of seamlessly integrate into this environment so that the guests that are walking through this land completely believe that they are, uh, you know, the, the they are set in the Star Wars universe. So um, I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the early access they're going to be giving cast members and, and kind of winnowing down who the perfect fit is for uh, people to be representing characters within this land. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think Michelle was touching on it just a little bit ago. I'm sure that the first people will get to soft open this thing will be cast members that get to go into Galaxy's Edge before they open it up to some of the other pass pass holders and DVC members and such. And uh, But yeah, I mean, we're going to start getting... We're, we're, it's, June is going to be here before you know it, uh, if that's when they open it, but that's what all the assumption is. Uh, at least at Disneyland Park. Um, and so we're going to be starting starting to get this a lot building up and I would imagine late April, May possibly is when some of these soft openings might be coming up and we're going to get even more then. Um, And as as they said in the story, uh, you know, with the the two different attractions, they're going to be different in many ways. Uh, You know, the food and beverage locations they're going to have there. They're going to have shops. They're going to have just sounds like they're going to have characters just kind of roaming the land as well. Cast members that are dressed as, uh, you know, characters of some sort kind of roaming the land. Uh, There's going to be a lot of different uh, outfits for them to uh, to showcase at this. uh, If it's going to be as immersive as we really believe it's going to be. Yeah. And I mean... What I'd heard for the Disneyland Park especially um, was that depending on which entrance you entered the land through, you were either going to be in an area that was more Imperial controlled or mm-hmm. uh, controlled by the Resistance. So um, it sounds like you know there's definitely going to be a lot of cast members that are not just there in a capacity of, you know, manning a shop or a restaurant, but they're actually there to provide that immersive storytelling. Right, we saw that when we when we actually were at D twenty the D twenty three Expo uh, about a year and a half ago when we they had out the big uh, mapped out the, uh, the display of diorama. what well, yeah what it was going to look like giant diorama <laughs> which was great and amazing uh, but you could see as it laid out like they had an X wing landed on one area and this is going to kind of be the area where the resistance is right. forming and going on to try and recruit out of this land and then these, you know there was like a shuttle over here uh, where you're going to see the first order more kind of to do their thing too so um, 
you know, it just, it's exciting and we can't wait to hear more about it. And so it sounds like Tuesday night, we might start to get to see some of the uh, costumes. Um, definitely, uh, you may see if you're following some people from uh, their cast members, you may see some of that start to emerge on social media on Tuesday night. And I'm sure Disney will release it on probably on the Disney Parks blog or something very soon after right. that, what the first look will be. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, some other news from Star Wars out there is that uh, soon you will be able to raise your own virtual pet from a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. God. I know this is exciting. <laughs> I'm excited about this. This Project from, Porn. That's right. Project Porn from Polygon.com. This story. Uh, it's a new mixed reality experience from uh, Lucasfilm's ILM X-Lab uh, for the Magically Pet Set. It will let Star Wars fans raise their own Porg, the lovable alien birds from Star Wars The Last Jedi. Uh, Project Porg follows the footsteps of virtual pet sims uh, like, and I'm going to botcher this because that's what I do. Tamagotchi and uh, Nintendogs, uh, asking you to care for, feed, and play with your digital porgs. And they had a video that went along with this, and it was as cute as could be. So fun. So I don't know about you, Rob, but I'm already planning on getting my own digital porg. Just to clarify, when you said feed the porg, you didn't mean to Chewbacca, right? <laughs> that was <laughs> good. Chewbacca's actually passing the porg off to you. That's what's funny is that it says that uh, the lead into it is that C-3PO sends you a message saying, here's this porg. Uh, Chewbacca thought you should have it, essentially, you know. <laughs> or else he'll devour right. it. <laughs> and then you feed and take care of it, and uh, eventually it'll have children, and you're going to take care of them. And I don't know, maybe to, to branch into another uh, sci-fi, is it going to be like a triple? Or is something <laughs> yeah. just have the house with porgs everywhere? I don't know. I think that's actually going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye open for, uh, for the smugglers, smugglers Run attraction, is to, uh, as you're walking through the interior of the Falcon, check to see if you can see any nesting porgs, because <laughs> they seem to be pretty firmly ensconced there in The Last Jedi. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. Funny. I'm sure you're going to want to name yours, though, right, Rob? <laughs> you know, I, I, I try not to get too attached to them. <laughs> In case you get hungry, is that what you're saying? <laughs> you, I did not say that. <laughs> well, as our friends at the uh, Tatooine and Sons podcast would say, we should name them Turbis because that's their, <laughs> oh, yes. make, make Turbis canon. Is right. one of their big uh, selling points out there that the Porg on the Millennium Falcon, that's his name, is Turbis. And Ryan Johnson said that that should be canon, that wow. Turbis nice. should be canon. So, anyway, uh, but they did say in this story, is that uh, when they were talking uh, to some of the executives behind this, that uh, eventually you may be able to take your virtual porg outdoors to public locations and possibly even a place like a theme park. Uh. Is that leading to maybe you'll be able to take your virtual porg out to Batuu, to Black Spire Outpost, to Galaxy's Edge? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Interesting. Although I don't know why you, if you're going to have a ton of people walking around with this thing on their face, you know, the because uh, it's 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 virtual reality wow. thing that you're doing it through. So okay. I don't know how tricky that might be walking <laughs> through the land. But I guess I was thinking more like what the Pokemon thing is where you're just yeah, watching. I think it. that's what it's going to be more like on your phone or something. But interesting stuff. And we'll right. see how that comes out and good stuff. Um, more Star Wars news is that there are new lightsabers on their way. They're going to help you become a better duelist. Ooh. Yeah, I know Michelle's been excited about <laughs> yes. becoming a better Star Wars lightsaber duelist. Uh, this is from Engadget.com. Star Wars Lightsaber Academy, a fan, excuse me, an app-connected toy introduced to at this week's Toy Fair, allowing kids to 
uh, under virtual tutelage, get better at their sword skills with some of their favorite Force users teaching Ooh. them. Yeah. Uh, so Hasbro, who's been making the lightsabers forever, they, they say that they're going to be doing this lightsaber academy. Uh, originally, the model of the lightsaber is not going to look that much different from the ones they've had in the past. Mm-hmm. But there are going to be some interesting things in there. And for one thing, uh, they're not going to be specific, specific to, like, you know, a lot of times you'll get Obi-Wan's lightsaber or Anakin's right. lightsaber or whatever, you know. Um, this is going to be kind of a more of a generic lightsaber. But what will be interesting in it is they're going to have a plastic kyber crystal within it that you can push on, and it could change the color of it. So if you want to have the green lightsaber, you want a blue lightsaber. If you decide you're a little more dark side that day and you want a red lightsaber, <laughs> uh, you can have that. Uh, so you can kind of... Uh, create your own thing and be your own Jedi. And uh, believe me, that's a dream of mine. Dream of yours, Michelle? Yes, of Rob, course. I know it's a dream of yours. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've already got a small lightsaber collection going here anyway. <laughs> so, uh, And what was it? This story been out for about five seconds by the time I got the message from you about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't already pre-ordered it. Come on. Right, right. So interesting. And then uh, I guess if, through the app, uh, you'll be trained by either Ray Yoda or Darth Vader, depending on uh, wow. which ones you pick. Uh, and it'll kind of run you through some different moves. The app will actually, uh, through a Bluetooth that connects to the lightsaber itself, mm-hmm. will uh, tell you how you've done with those moves, how you've progressed. As you move along, you'll do better. They'll, you can eventually unlock some other characters like Luke Skywalker and maybe some other ones that they're going to reveal to be your instructors. Wow. And uh, you can just kind of progress from level to level to level. And uh, eventually you're also going to be able to, like, if you decide you want to duel with your friends and you both have those, right. uh, they, they have it set up so you can, uh, it'll connect the two lightsabers on the same app and you can have the duel and it'll score you wow. and tell you who won the duel. Wow. So Rob, get ready because we're going, <laughs> man. That sounds like a throwdown. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. This is exciting stuff, and I think it's a lot of fun. And it's the new, in, you know, it's the new advancement into lightsaber technology. Right, right. And I think that's great. Uh, it's going to be. It's not a bad price. Uh, lightsaber Academy uh, is going to ship. It says in October for fifty dollars, which isn't bad. No. And that's for one. Of course, you have to get a second one if you want to duel with right. somebody that's going to connect to it. Um, so uh, it'll be ready for you to practice before Episode Nine comes nice. out. Nice. Go. So. That's good stuff. I'm like I'm liking the advancement in some of these these toys. I and mean, like you were talking about earlier, Rob, from the telescoping lightsabers to what they've come coming out now. And I know, like you said, you're a collector of many of uh, lightsabers yourself. So this is this is cool stuff. Toys for adults, right? Yep. Yes, yes. Yep. I still have a telescoping one too. <laughs> Authentic sound and everything. <laughs> Good stuff. Please dub in real sound. Yes, for that. I, no, I like <laughs> much more authentic. It's very good. Very nicely no, done. No, no. Oh, Skywalker think. sound know about you? Yeah, right. Hire, <laughs> hire that girl. No. <laughs> so anyway, so moving on to another story. So at once you've trained using the lightsaber academy, well, now there's a place you can put those skills to use, and that's because lightsaber dueling is now becoming a, an official sport right. in France. <laughs> It's about time. What took them so long? I don't understand why it took them so long to make this an official sport. Right. Uh, This is from CBR.com. The French Fencing Federation is one of the biggest fencing organizations in Europe. While the three typically recognized forms of fencing are called foil, saber, and epi, the federation has just officially recognized a new form of fencing. Yes, 
lightsaber dueling. Uh, this new form of dueling features rounds that last three minutes. The first duelist to reach 15 victories is declared the victor, and the uh, style uses LED-lit polycarbonate lightsaber replicas, which range from simple light-up sabers to advanced models that replicate the sound, just like Michelle's sound, <laughs> of the lightsaber duels. So, Rob, we can get practicing, and if we can head off to France, and maybe we'll actually make the Olympics someday. All I can say is I get the higher ground. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's over. Rob has the high ground. It's over. <laughs> Um, so they, they, the reason they said, they said they decided to do this is that, you know, I mean, I, I think it's been kind of falling out for the younger crowd. Not right. as many people are getting involved with fencing. So they wanted to reach out to some of the youths and teens out there and have some more fun. So they're doing, they added this into it to make it fun. Adding a bunch of new people, getting into, <laughs> getting into fencing. That's nicely done. So that's exciting. I like that a lot. Rob, you tripped yeah, the I mean, plan now? Lightsaber, the lightsaber battles were uh, basically, you know, based on kendo to begin with. So um, <laughs> <It's true. laughs> it is, it is legit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Uh, one more uh, story I'm going to get to you before we get out of here. It's just a quick uh, announcement for Star Wars Celebration. Just a few things that are were announced this week. Of course, Star Wars Celebration is coming up in April out in Chicago this year. It's going to be, I'm sure there's a lot of great stuff. And by the way, if there isn't happened to be a surprise uh, trailer drop tonight for Episode Nine, I'm assuming we're just going to have to wait until April and they'll just drop it at Star Wars Celebration, right. which is yeah, most that has been the rumor happen. that it's yeah. uh, it's most likely going to be coming out during Star Wars Celebration this year. Yeah, and I, I would think that that's probably what we're going to see, unless, like I said, they surprise us tonight and drop it during the Oscars, which is an ABC show, but we'll see. Um, I tend to doubt it, but we'll see. Um, so anyway, last week, uh, Ian McDermott was uh, listed as uh, one of the. Uh, people that's going to be showing up there. Of course, Ian McDermott yes, played sure. Emperor Palpatine, Darth Sidious, and he's always a hoot. And uh, he loves that role. And he was so good in that role. I mean, of the prequels, he was right. one of the things that really stole the show a lot of times whenever he was on screen. Uh, I, know, I know you agree, Michelle. Right, absolutely. Uh, Rob, I, I think you think the same thing, right? Yeah, of course. Shiv Palpatine, he's everyone's, uh, everyone's personal favorite, right? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> No question. Uh, also coming out, uh, we, it was announced this week, Billy D. Williams will be showing up there. Of course, Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Uh, Freddie Pence Jr. and Taylor Gray, who you may know if you watch Star Wars Rebels. That's uh, Kanan and Ezra mm -hmm. are going to be out there. Uh, but this is, I'm specifically putting this out here because I think this is interesting that who else is going to be out there? And that's Alan Tudyk, who, of course, you may know as K2SO. Yeah. Is is going to make an appearance out there. And it leads me to speculate, since we talked about this last week, that he's been, you know, there's been some communication between right. them and uh, Disney and Lucasfilm as far as uh, re doing that, reprising that role in the upcoming Cassian Andor series. Is there going to be an announcement out at Star Wars Celebration with him out there that, yes, I am going to be in this? Um, I certainly hope so. I, right? I know the, Michelle is wearing her K2SO Yay! shirt as yeah, we speak absolutely. right now. So um, I know we're excited about that and hope that's the case. So that's just, when I saw that, that was the first thing that jumped to my mind is that he's going to be there. And at some point, he, that's going to be the announcement. Pure right. speculation, but I'm hoping for it. Right. I know we've all three of us, Rogue One is one of our favorite Star Wars films, yeah, especially absolutely. of the recent ones. Yeah, um, absolutely. So looking forward to that. And another thing that's going on is that they announced that they'll be. Uh, doing the celebration of the 20th anniversary of the release of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. That'll be out there. And that is going to be on the Monday, which, by the way, the only day left with tickets 
is Mondays. Oh, wow. So if you're interested in all in that, I know, you know, there's been, you know, a lot of people think Phantom Menace, whatever with it, but it right. still, you know, is part of the Star Wars oeuvre. And it, you know, it, you take it for what it is. There's still some great parts to that film and uh, it could be interesting and worth celebrating for sure. And I think that, you know, if you're looking for something to right. do, if you're in the Chicago area, it might be fun to get out there. Um, also tied to that, and I've seen this speculation online, and I will add to this speculation, the fact that there was a lot of talk this week. Well, there's a lot of talk about possible other Star Wars-based series that Disney Plus is going to be adding. One of the biggest rumors was that the Obi-Wan series is coming out. Mm. Wouldn't it be interesting if at the end of this, and this isn't my idea. I've seen it from somebody else, so I'm not going to take credit for this speculation, but at the end of the Phantom Menace celebration, if Ewan McGregor's out there and they announce the mm. Obi-Wan series. Um, it would be a lot of fun, and I'm hoping that happens. I don't know about you, Michelle. Oh yeah, that would be just phenomenal. Uh, Rob, what do you yeah, think? I know. I know that uh, Ewan McGregor has said uh, openly that it didn't really matter if it came as a movie or a series on the uh, Disney Plus streaming service that he was in. If they ended up deciding to go that route, so uh, there's definitely a lot of Star Wars content that could be explored mm-hmm. uh, in oh, a yeah. show about the the Obi Wan Kenobi years between um, the end of uh, the end of the prequel tri- trilogy mm-hmm. right. and then um, the beginning of the original Star Wars. Sure. I right. think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff that could be explored there, just like you do. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I know I, I always thought that one of the highlights of the prequel series was actually Ewan McGregor's uh, p- portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I thought he did a fantastic job of doing that, uh, you know, as, you know, a tortured soul that, you know, is trying to train this kid that got kind of forced on him. He kind of had to grow up early and become this master. And then he's, you know, he's, he's building him up and then he sees him go to the other side. And it just, I I thought his portrayal of it and it's kind of in in a way while keeping the character, his own kind of the mimicking of Alec Guinness's version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, I, I just thought was actually fairly masterful. Absolutely. Right. Like the mannerisms, especially, you know, when you get to episode three, you know, if you watch that and look at the mannerisms that he had and some of his like how he chuckled and then you go back to the original episode four, um, a lot of things that were brought into that episode three in making that character be consistent with the very original Obi-Wan and it still rips me up every time in Revenge of the Sith when Obi-Wan, you know, you were my brother. Right. You know, that just kills me every time. I'm sorry. You know, I mean, that it's very, that, that is an emotional, that, that, I, I don't know what you think about your favorite lightsaber duel. And say what you want about, uh, you know, about Anakin. Um, but that duel had so much emotion going for it. It's right. probably my favorite lightsaber duel. No, it was amazingly choreographed as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was really the first duel in the history of Star Wars where you felt like it was moving at the speed that you'd expect a, a duel between two Force users to to uh, move at. So, right. um, and then, like you said, on top of it, all the the drama that was generated just by the relationship that they had and mm-hmm. um, the betrayal that they were each feeling. Mm-hmm. Right. So much for no attachment. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and even that there again with the music masterfully uh-huh. 
building the tension oh. as it was going on. It was it was such a, a complete package of a theme. Yeah, it, it gets me every single time I watch that film. Uh, I don't watch it as much as um, I probably should because I do think it's the, the best of the prequels. I mean, yes, it has its issues within it, mm-hmm. but I, I do think it's the best of the prequels, and that emotion kills me every single time. So. Anyway, that's it for my Star Wars Disney stories of the week. So, um, uh, Rob, I, I want to thank you for, for joining us this week uh, for an extended period of time. As again, we, we continue to break <laughs> records with how long our episodes are, but uh, we really appreciate that you, you joined us today for such a long period of time and gave up your time on, on a Sunday to talk Star Wars with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Always happy to talk Star Wars and always happy to talk to you guys. Oh, thanks. And you really did bring a lot of great content and a lot of uh, of great humor and fun to this. So thank you so much for making our podcast even better today. No problem. You guys have a wonderful evening. Thank you, Rob. We really appreciate you joining us again. You bet. Take care. Bye. So thanks again to our good friend Robert LeBerry there. Uh, Just did uh, such a great job breaking down Star Wars with it. We always enjoy talking Star Wars and everything Disney with him. Absolutely. And... He is a, a real pro at knowledge of what's going on, what's happened in the past. So uh, great addition for today's episode for sure. But we do have one more Disney story. It's not Star Wars related, but I, I had to get to it but just because I think it's uh, a very important story for what's going on. And that is that they announced this week that uh, they're going to have some new changes, new changes, some changes <laughs> coming to Epcot in the coming years uh, that were really interesting yeah, changes. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, this from the Disney Parks blogs. As many of you know, we've got, and this is from them, so this quoted from them, we've got big plans for our multi-year transformation of Epcot with new experiences that are wow guests while keeping through the original vision of the park. Today, we're excited to share even more of what's to come. Uh, the ongoing evolution of Epcot includes plans for a play pavilion that will be unlike anything you've ever seen at the park. The new space will be devoted to a playful fun and to feature an innovative city that will come to life under the dome uh, of the unnamed pavilion previously known as the Wonders of Life. If you remember, that's been kind of vacant and right. just kind of dead for a while now. And they finally have decided what they're going to do with it. And that's going to be this play pavilion. Uh, the pavilion city will be bursting with interactive experiences, your favorite Disney characters, hands-on activities, engaging entertainment when it opens uh, just in time for the 50th anniversary of Walt Di- of the Walt Disney World Resort. So uh, really cool stuff. Right. It looked great. It looked like a lot of fun. And what they described it's going to have is mm-hmm. really it sounds like a great addition there. Yeah. Know? Looks like it's very hands-on, very interactive. Right. Uh, it's going to be indoors, so it'll be a nice place for people to get out of the heat and uh, you know, still have some good activities right. out there. And one thing I think is interesting about this is that Epcot really is the adult park, to me, of uh, the Walt Disney World Resort. I mean, in my, many of the attractions are based more for adults to me. I mean, yes, there's Frozen Ever After, which, of course, kids will love. And there's a few other things out there that kids will love. You know, I mean, uh, some of them will love, you know, um, you know, Test Track or right. Mission Space right. or whatever. But it's very adult-themed. And I even remember the last time we were there, it was leaving the restroom, and there was a little girl who just, you know, it, the day was over for this girl. She, had, she was worn out. And she's like, it's so boring you know <laughs> i was just thinking to myself that i'm just cracking up because i can know how that can seem right, like that i mean right. yes the the, the the pavilions we it's 
probably our favorite park, Absolutely, Walt Disney World yes. Resort. But I can see as a young kid, it's not you know, it's not fantasy land. Right. It's not the stuff that you have at Hollywood Studios. It's not even the stuff that you have at the uh, the Animal Kingdom Park right, where you have right. so much interactive stuff. So this is uh, could be interesting and another way to bring kids in and for them to enjoy the park. Absolutely. It would add a lot to that, like you're saying, especially for kids. And it was also exciting to hear they're really going to freshen up that entrance, make mm-hmm. it you know a little bit more up-to-date. Um, you know, so I think that's going to be something that makes it, you know, you're still going to keep the iconic look for a lot of things, but still have a, a fresher new look to that park. Right. And so that was the other part of this story is that uh, they're also going to be changing the Epcot main entrance uh, where they're going to have some new pathways, uh, green spaces, a newly reimagined fountain, which is actually a throwback to its original fountain right. that was there uh, previously. Uh, it, it's just going to be... A, much more clean, uh, more pretty, more floral, and uh, they're going to get rid of the uh, what they what is the um, sorry I'm blanking on it right now the um, leave a legacy photos right which right. are kind of the big stone features that are right there as you go past the entrance or, right. you know and through there they're moving that outside of the park into a different area right. they're keeping it but they're not moving it so you'll have this really clean entrance right up to spaceship earth that's going to i at least from the uh the drawings we saw right. the sketch work uh it looks spectacular clean beautiful and i'm excited about it definitely definitely help with the flow there mm-hmm. you know because it is a it is a because it's an iconic spot area too there are a lot of people who are trying to stop and get pictures and you know um you know there are some displays that really cut that opportunity off and so i think this will really help with the flow too right i completely agree with that and it looks beautiful and i'm excited to see it i will probably will have to go through some as they start doing this uh, i was talking with rob about this off air at one point our, our guest rob Berry, uh that they're probably going to have to do what we saw at disneyland park i believe it was last year when they changed out the tracks for the trolley uh, that goes there and then down Main Street right. USA. Remember, they had the right. fence going down oh, yeah. half of Main Street USA, right. and uh, it's it's uh, you know tough to deal with at times, you know. Right. But, but uh, it actually, didn't seem to get in the way that much as no. they're there. And so no. they would they would do a section of it, and then they move the fence to the other section and would finish it on right. the other side. Right. So it wasn't the whole Main Street USA. And I would guess that's probably what they're going to be doing with Epcot. So expect that probably something similar to be happening right. very soon in the future out at Epcot, or maybe like when. Galaxy's Edge is opening and everybody's over in yeah. Hollywood no Studios. No one's at that part. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, at the studios. So they get, have time to do yeah. a lot of construction there. there. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, uh, so that's exciting news and lots of cool stuff coming to Epcot and Walt Disney World Resort for uh, the Walt Disney World Resort's 50th anniversary. And right. we're excited by that. That's a 2021 when that happens. So. Exciting. Cool stuff. Uh, let's move on. That's it with our Disney stories of the week. We're finally through this episode, mostly. But we'd never <laughs> leave without a vacation tip of the week because we want to make sure we leave you on that note, something that'll get you uh, to help you on your next vacation or day trip or whatever it is to the parks, Disney Cruise Line, Run Disney, whatever it may be. And we always start with Michelle because one, she has the best tips, but two, she's also fabulous, fantastic, (laughs) wonderful, and a huge Star Wars fan. That's right. So let's wait no further. We've already waited way too long. Uh. Let's get to her vacation 
tip of the week. Thank you. And you're right. I, you know, definitely because this was our predominantly Star Wars uh, episode, wanted to have one that would coincide with that topic. So um, my my tip is related to uh, going to Disney's Hollywood Studios. And we talked about that they have the March of the First Order. And to let you know that you could actually be a part of that um, kind of incognito maybe. Um, yeah. <laughs> so what it is, is you can actually, as they pass through at the very beginning of their march, if you join the back row behind where they, there's a couple cast members at the end of where the, the, um, you know, the actual march is taking place, you can stand right behind them and walk down the street with them and they'll allow that. And it's funny because people in the park think, oh, wow, these are very special people. They get to be in this parade. (laughs) But actually all it takes is if you go at the very entrance of um, the studios, Disney Hollywood Studios, and you stand on the corner where Mickey's Mickey's of Hollywood and Sid's one of a kind. In fact, you're actually going to be, what I found the easiest is be on the side of the street where Mickey's of Hollywood is and be facing uh, Sid's. And then as soon as the parade passes, you jump in line and follow them down. And the cast members will help direct you, like, because the, the, the parade does stop midway through and, you know, they do some routines there. So you kind of have to stop and hold back there. But they allow you to go, you know, all the way down the road with that that band, that parade so you get to be part of it right it's really fun we've done it a couple times we first did it with the star wars guided tour that we talked about earlier we thought oh this is part of this perk of going on this guided tour and then we realized later no we could just right. do this so we went to the exact same point where they started us for that and just fell in line behind them and yeah i mean people don't realize it right. you know who haven't experienced it before that you can do this but we're giving you that tip that's yes you can right. be part of the march of the first order and walk yes. right behind them it's a lot of fun it is a lot really of cool. fun the, the music Music's going on, and you know it's just it's it's a hoot. And you feel like you're part of the parade yes. yourself. And, but you got to make sure sure you realize too, people are going to be taking your picture because they think you must be a VIP or something like that. <laughs> no, so. we are. <laughs> very but, VIP. So if you don't want to have your picture taken, don't be don't do this. But otherwise, it's so much fun. Yeah, it is a good time, and I highly suggest doing it uh, next time you get out to Disney Hollywood Studios. Uh, if you're right. a Star Wars fan, and the kids get a kick out of it too. It's, Absolutely, it's a good time. A lot of fun. So, great tip. Thank you. Sales tip. Always the best tip. Oh, no, you're so sweet. Here's my small little tip, (laughs) tiny tip, because we're running even longer than we normally do this week uh, because we had such a great uh, discussion with Rob LaBerry about uh, Star Wars, and Michelle did such a great job with that, too. So, um, I'm going to give you a really quick tip here, and I'm going completely different direction here, but this last weekend uh, was the Princess Half Marathon weekend. Uh, It was, of course, a Run Dizzy race weekend again, and I just wanted to give you a little tip about if you're planning to go in the future to one of these race weekends, and that's how to get the best out of the parks while you're there. This is what I would suggest to you. First, when you plan your trip, look at the calendar closely. I mean, you have to book these, uh, at least book your race uh, bibs well in advance. So it gives you time to kind of look at the weekend coming up. Look at that time, and if you can do this, what I would suggest is booking the trip so that you show up a little bit before the race, like maybe a day or two, and you don't need to do too much. and then stay after the race for days after. And there's right. a reason for this. Um, it's just very busy during the race weekends. Lots right. of people are showing up out from out of town 
to go do these races. I mean, the the you know the, some of these races alone have fifteen, seventeen thousand right. people in there, and that's just for one race. So there's all these people in town to take that. So the parks can be very crowded. But also, you're going to be running these races, so. Yeah, you maybe you're not going to do so much park time anyway, and also you're going to be running these races, so you may be a little worn out after right. these races too. So my suggestion is, you know, get there as long as you have enough time that you're there's no stress and picking up your bib and everything and right. getting your hotel and being able to get up in the morning for your race, which is very early. Um, <laughs> you know, get there for that time, but extend it past the race weekend because once the race weekend is done, uh, the crowds start to thin out. Right. Um, and especially like this last weekend, not only was this a race weekend, but it was also President's Day on Monday. So a lot of people had that day off right, anyway. Right. A lot of kids had that day off. So it was a very busy week in the parks. But I guarantee you when we come to Monday, Tuesday of this coming week here, the, the crowds are going to drop off significantly. significantly. Right. So you can... Take your time, not go to the park so much in those first few days when you're doing the races. Maybe hit the resorts, hang out by the pool, you know, enjoy some of the food around, rest your legs for the races, and take your time with it. And then once the crowds kind of ebb um, after right. the weekend's done, then you hit up the parks and live it up. We've experienced that. Yes. It's a different world from when the races get done to what's going on when the races are there as far as the crowds in the park. So that's our tip, at least my tip, is well, just to take tip. advantage of that. Plan your trip around, have the race early in it, and then enjoy the park in the days after your races. Right. That's a great tip. And like you're saying, I mean, you'll have a lot less people around in the parks. It makes it a lot easier if you're trying to get dining reservations, mm-hmm. especially to some of the more hot spots. So that's a great tip because you get to really then have the best of both worlds. You get to have your you know, race weekend with, like you said, enough prep to be there on time to pick up your your uh, bib and and be awake early in the morning but you really get to extend your vacationing time after that is done so right. perfect yeah perfect and i'm not saying you shouldn't enjoy the parks while the race weekend is there if you feel you want to go right. ahead but also remember you're spending a, a a nice amount of change on those tickets every day and you're right. probably not because you're going to be trying to save your legs or recovering on those legs from those races you may not spend as much time in the park as you would later on in the week right so just you know weigh the value of those tickets versus uh what it is how much time you'll be able to spend in the parks exactly and, you know, so that's it. Uh, that's Great just tip. my simple tip of the week. Yeah, and, uh, perfect. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Your tip was even better, uh, no. as they always are. Uh, <laughs> so, too kind. <laughs> right. So uh, that's it. Finally, we're wrapping up this episode. Definitely a record breaker this week, uh, but we hope you enjoyed the whole episode, and thanks for sticking with us all the way to this point. We really appreciate it. Next week, uh, we're going to see. Not the grade C, not the grade C, which is what, how I got through high school. No, uh, we're actually going to the ocean sea. Um, not it's it's going to be. We'll be comparing other cruise lines we've sailed on, right, to Disney Cruise, and telling you what's great about some of these other cruise lines, where they kind of fall short, and you know you can kind of weigh the differences between the different cruise lines we've sailed on. Four different cruise lines, right. including Disney Cruise. Uh, we'll be kind of comparing and contrasting, and letting you know what you. If you're looking to go on a cruise, what might be right for you? Right. This is going to be an exciting episode. And, you know, we also want to hear during the week, if you have some input, we definitely would like to share that with everybody and give you full credit. But uh, I think it's a great topic to really be able to help people make decisions, uh, especially if somebody hasn't done cruising or Mm -hmm. hasn't done a lot of cruising, you know, to know what's out there. And like you said, to have that compare and contrast. Yeah. So we're going to go through that all next week. And yeah, we've, here's the, by the way, we have done uh, Royal Caribbean, Princess, Carnival, and uh, 
yeah, Disney Cruise Line. Right. Uh, if you have sailed on any some of the other ones, whether it be Norwegian or Celebrity or whatever, and you have some uh, something to share with us about it, uh, please uh, contact us. We'd like to hear, since we have, don't have uh, real experience right. with those cruise lines, but how they compare and contrast. We'd love to hear from you about that. And here's the way you can get a hold of us for anything, anything about today's episode, anything you want to talk about at all. Uh, please contact us on Twitter at Hyperion Podcast, Facebook and Instagram at Hyperion Adventures Podcast. And you can always email us at HyperionAdventuresPodcast at gmail.com. Right. And we love to hear from you. We love to hear your input. Tell us how you like the show. Tell us what you'd like to do different, would like to see us do differently because we really enjoy doing this and we want to, you know, hopefully bring a little bit more fun to you as well. Yes, absolutely. I really want to make this show the best it can be for you. And probably the first thing they're going to say is, would you not go over two hours right. on the podcast, please? <laughs> um, because we're starting to hear that. And uh, yes, we probably should start to tone it down a little yep. bit. But we found ta- today's topic very fascinating. And we, we want to just continue on the conversation. But exactly. anyway, uh, so uh, of course, you found us today. In the future, we, we really appreciate that you found us, uh, however you found us. But in the future, you can find us on 1057max.com under the Max Plus tab and the Max FM app. The best way to find us, however, is to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And there's a few other ways out there that you can find us, too. We're on a couple other places that you can find us. And, uh, we're happy to get those out there for you, too. And if you have the chance, uh, we told you earlier about uh, that we got some great reviews this week, and we're really excited about that. But we could always use more. Give us a quick rating. It's the simplest. Well, the simplest thing to do is tell a friend about us. But a rating is also simple. Just click the stars and uh, tell us what you think. Tell them, And then if you have a little more time, uh, a review would be wonderful. Tell people what you think about this podcast. And it also helps us be a better podcast by knowing what you think about this show. Absolutely. And thank you again to everybody who's already given us some feedback and some ratings. And we really appreciate it and look forward to it more. Yes. Really exciting stuff. So uh, thank you again for listening to the Hyperion Adventures podcast. We look forward to sharing some time again with you next week. But until that time, I'm Tom. I'm Michelle. And we hope that you have a magical week.